Pigs. Well, go ahead. No. no, go ahead. My name's Angelo, and welcome to We Want Picks. Jakey and I are going to break down the entire UFC Paris fight card. We're going to give you our picks. We're going to give you our predictions. We're going to give you our bets. We're going to give you our fantasy plays. Everything you could ever need, ever, to make some money watching these fights that, if you're in North America, start a little bit early. These are some morning fights we got going on here. Especially if you're on the West Coast. West Coast, the best coast. I would, you know, some eggs, some eggs and some fights. Anyway, guys, become a premium member. You've heard me scream and yell and talk about this for about a month now. But we have many hundreds of premium members, and all of them have early access to every single one of our bets, all of our fantasy plays. And now, the big reveal, we have a DraftKings optimizer. Anybody watching these videos, you could think I'm the biggest idiot on the planet. You could think Jacob is way too short for his own good. But it doesn't matter. We have I'm a DraftKings optimizer. I think, the, I think the issue for a lot of people is I'm way too good looking. They click on this video and they're like, I can't listen to a they're guy that's better Like the hot girl me. nobody asks to prom. I don't think That's so. exactly right. That's exactly right. Anyway, we have a DraftKings optimizer. So who cares about our insight? Use the optimizer. And this is all for only $10 a month. That's nothing. There are idiots out there charging 50 for an optimizer. Then another 10 for their bets. Another 50 for... $10 for everything, and we're constantly adding more. And if this video gets flagged because you decided to curse in the opening 30 seconds, you're going to get smacked. No, we're a minute 30 in. We're, we're way good. You're going to get a demerit. We Guys, if you want 50 good. free dollars, $50 for free, all you need to do is go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. Go to that URL. Click on any one of the affiliate links. Sign up with one of our betting partners. Make a deposit. I send you 50 bucks, Cash App, PayPal, Venmo, however you want it. I send you $50 as a thank you for supporting us and our partners. That's weonpicks.com slash bets. And anybody who complains about these promos, don't forget, all these effing videos are free. They're free. And this is how we pay for it all. Guys, Jacob, did you enjoy your week off? Uh, first of all, I enjoyed oh, Leon, Rocky, Edwards. It's two weeks Lock ago, man. Nobody of, cares. Excuse anymore. me, sir. Lock of the week, eight in a row. You know what's funny? And I think I texted you this, this Angelo. I actually ordered immediately the, when they first became available a Leon Edwards t shirt. Look at me now. Could not wait. I was going to wear it on the live stream yesterday. I got the email. Your t shirt has been delivered. I ran to my mailbox. It's a three mile run to the end because I got a lot of acres out here. Ran to my mailbox, opened it up. Nothing in there. I looked at my email. I sent the t shirt to my old. Mansion You're an idiot. in Atlanta. You're an idiot. So now I don't have the t-shirt. So I had the Leon Edwards t-shirt. I was going to flaunt it. But some somebody got really lucky. They have a Leon Edwards t-shirt now. Somebody so. in apartment 34 Somebody got blessed. Somebody in apartment 34D has a youth medium Leon Edwards shirt. Congratulations to them. Let's go ahead and jump right in. And this card has been shuffled. There's a bunch of last minute replacements. There's a bunch of people that are not necessarily a last-minute replacement, but both of them were added to the card with two weeks. Like, this card's kind of a hot mess, but there's some interesting matchups in opening up. But we up got rid the, of, well, sorry. I was just going to say, you're talking about hot messes. The good news is the, the actual hot mess is no longer on this card, which is... That? Caitlin. What? Oh, Caitlin. I just said Caitlin. Yeah, that, so now this card is actually exciting. But uh, I'm going to let you go ahead. You have my permission. Go ahead. Okay, Let's thank start. you so much. We start early, so we can we can extend this. I will um, move you this whole we can, time. <laughs> we, we can draw this thing out. Opening up the UFC Paris fight card, we have Stephanie Egger stepping up on short notice to take on Aylin Perez. Stephanie Egger is 7-3 and three overall, 
three and two in her last five, and she's coming off that early submission loss to Myra Bueno Silva just a few weeks ago. And she's taking on Aylin Perez, seven and one overall, four and one in her last five, but the one loss was because of illegal strikes. So she's essentially an undefeated fighter. I mentioned Stephanie Egger stepping up on short notice. Aylin's original opponent, who I was positive Aylin was going to steamroll, has dropped. Stephanie stepping up on short notice. Quick turnaround from a loss, but the reality was almost nothing happened. That fight was so fast, she's not hurt. And Stephanie is a grappler. She's got solid power, judo takedown. She's an accomplished judoka. Uh, she marches forward, and she looks to tie you up and work takedowns from there. She's typically going to hold you against the cage or muscle you to the ground. She is a decent striker as well, but her game plan is definitely slow the pace and turn it into a grappling match. She's coming off that armbar loss to Brena Silva, where if you remember, Stephanie got the takedown, because if you clinch with her, she's going to throw you. But then she was armbarred while she was on top, and then she just pretended she didn't tap. So she tapped, the ref stepped her, separated them, and she's like, what? What, what was this? What? So uh, that wasn't a great look, and she's getting a quick turnaround after That's that. Nice. And she's taking on Aylin Perez. Dude, stop. Stop. I'm a snake. I don't know what why you're doing Stephanie? that. Okay. I'm a snake. You're muted. This is the, uh, this is a, this is the first fight. Tone it down. Aylin Perez. Streaming. This, this is an early start. Is a well-rounded prospect, and when she's striking, she's got a nice long jab. She uses it to plot forward. She walks her opponents back, but she is mostly a grappler, and she uses her size and strength to bully her opponents to the ground with trips and drags. Once she hits the ground, she is measured and she works for control positions. Then she settles in and she'll work for submissions or she'll old school work you against the cage and start elbowing you in the face. She does have the composure of a legitimate veteran, but she's only eight fights into her career. This will be her first UFC fight and hopefully she doesn't freeze up under that banner. And I loved Aylin in the original matchup. I thought she was in a steamroll, Siren, or however you pronounce that name. Uh, I had a money line bet on her, and that breaks the don't bet on women rule, but I was positive Aylin was going to win that fight. This is a very different matchup because Aylin could absolutely outgrapple her last opponent, but that is trickier here. And I get it. Stephanie Eggers got some submission losses on her record, but it's not like she sucks on the ground. It's not a skill gap. She gets caught. Like, she's getting caught in weird positions, weird scrambles. But she does have fantastic judo, very high-level judo. So somebody like Aylin, who looks to tie her up up top, and that's how she gets her takedowns to bully. Stephanie Egger's going to toss you. And as long as she doesn't get caught in an arm bar on the way down, like she did against Myra Buena Silva, she's going to toss you, and she'll be on top, and she'll control, and she'll avoid, and she'll ride out a decision. So I do think Stephanie Egger wins this fight. I do think these odds are wide, though. I think Aylin Perez is very live here. She's very talented. The only reason I'm not full-blown, like, all-in on Aylin still or betting her for this opponent is because of Stephanie's judo and the way that Aylin takes people down is to tie you up and try to bully you. That's not going to happen with Stephanie. Stephanie's going to toss you. Can she get the submission on the ground? Absolutely, but I'm not confident enough to bet on it. What do you think, Jake Lutz? Uh, yeah, that's 100% correct. I, I, I have to play Stephanie on this. I think definitely for your money, it's a dog or pass situation. The value definitely is in Perez. Because Stephanie Edgar, there's a reason why I made Bruno Silva my lock of the week against Stephanie Edgar. Stephanie Edgar can do one thing. 
And that's it. That's judo. She's not a good striker, not a good wrestler, not good jujitsu. I mean, she's she's capable in all those areas, but she shines in her judo. But once she gets you to the ground, you know, if it, if it's a judo throw into an armbar or whatever, you know, she can have some success. But other than that, she's she's not really that good a fighter, and she's a snake. Uh, she was, I mean, the way that she was trying to get out of that tap was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. It, it, it was a conspiracy against Lock of the Week. I don't want to get into it too deep, but we can if we want to. Um, Perez is an absolute dog, man. The way that she fights, it actually she actually reminds me of Tabitha Ricci and the way that she fights. And and thank God that Cheyenne Velismus backed out of that fight versus Tabitha Ricci because she was probably going to get steamrolled in that fight. Uh, but the way that she moves and bounces in and out in her entries reminds me a lot of Tabitha Ricci because she's very quick in them. But as you mentioned, Angelo, her takedowns are body lock takedowns, body lock takedowns. Every time she gets inside, she gets close, it's body locks, and then she's looking for trips, looking to take you take you back if you get in a body lock situation against stephanie that's exactly what she wants bueno silva did the exact same thing bueno silva is that muay thai wanted to get in close for whatever reason and started to get judo thrown to the ground it was a little bit of a 50 50 situation but she ended up on her back she ended up on her back and and perez if she gets in that same situation is going to get tossed and end up on her back again so as much as it pains me to pick stephanie because she's a snake she's a liar she's a thief I can't stand her. She's right up there with Caitlyn now. I cannot stand her anymore. Stephanie, I cannot stand you if you're watching this. Um, I got I to I gotta pick her. And Perez as well with her, her, the level of competition she's faced is not the best. This is a big, big step up in level of competition. Even though I don't think Stephanie is that great everywhere, it is still a huge step up in competition. UFC debut. She likes that body lock takedowns. I think she's going to unfortunately end up on her back. This could be a boring, boring decision for Stephanie. I don't think she's going to find the finish, but I think every time they get close, it's going to be a judo trip on her back. So I'm playing Stephanie. Definitely not putting money on her. Definitely not putting her in my DraftKings. Doing nothing of that sort. And I think I actually placed a bet today for our premium members. You did plus three and a half, yeah. Well, I wasn't going to mention it. Well, you did a lot of other bets that are on there only for the premium. Member. I'm not gonna. I know, but I was, I'm not I was, gonna be. I was, a complete, that was a little teaser, Angelo. I know. I'm not it, gonna. Okay. I'm not gonna be. I, I do enough pushing of the premium membership, and we literally were closing in on not quite a thousand, but we got a lot of premium members. So I don't need to be a complete snake about it. So then you got a ton of bets there, but you did do a plus three and a half, which means he bought a round. So if Aylin Perez can win one single round, he'll hit his bet. It's that simple. And she win, yeah, if she wins all together, that'd be the best case scenario. I don't, I'll, I'll lose my pick to win some yeah. money and have Stephanie take a loss. It's fine with me. Yeah, I, honestly, I think the bet, and I didn't look at the odds, I think the actual bet here, if you're going to, would be Aileen Perez inside the distance decision, no action. Because she's definitely the one live for a finish. Stephanie Anger's not finishing people. She's riding out for a decision. And Aileen could Myra Buena Silva it and catch an arm bar on the way down or something like that. So to me, that's the only bet I would entertain. I imagine all that clicking is you looking it up. Yeah, I'm trying to do real quick. So if you want to talk about monkey knife fire or something. Okay. While Jacob's looking up that bet, first of all, you will only get that bet with bet online. You don't, you don't like the three and a half, huh? Uh, I don't think, kind of I don't same know. situation. No, because she can get shut out. Stephanie Edgar can get one takedown in three rounds and just hang out. Where? Well, yeah, and you're inside the distance decisional action. I got plus, what was mine? Plus 145, I think. Yeah. Um, decisional action is plus 300. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm probably gonna do a little sprinkle on that. So what that means is if Aylin Perez wins this fight by submission, TKO, or outright. Oh no, not outright. 
by stoppage, so TKO submission, I'll get paid at plus three something, which is nuts. If she loses a decision, which is the most likely outcome, she'll be taken down and held down. If she loses a decision, you get a full refund. A full refund. The bet never happened. You get all your money back. But if she That's, loses a decision by one round, I win my bet. That's if you think, I mean, pick your side. Anyway, Bet Online is the only one that offers those two bets for us. Go to weonpicks.com slash bets. Sign up with Bet Online through our link. Make a deposit. I'll send you 50 bucks. Cash App, PayPal, Venmo, however you want it. And Jacob does have a few bets on this fight. If you want to see the rest of them, become a member. Weonpicks.com. DraftKings, $9,300. Absolutely freaking not. If she was 80 something hundred dollars, I would consider it because she will get takedowns. She will likely get control time and she'll probably score 70 points. Maybe 80. I'm not spending $9,300 on an 80 point win. Not happening. Um, Monkey Knife Fight, 58 to 48. That's a tricky line because it's women. It will go the distance. It should be the more, more. But if they're just on the ground the entire time jockeying for position, it's going to be hard for Aylin to get to the 48. Stephanie can get to the 58 because it's every single strike, but the 48 might be tricky. What do you think? I think more and more. All right. Well, if you want to try the monkey knife fight, all you literally need to do is say more or less on the strike line. That's it. And if you're correct, you can triple your money. Go to weonpicks.com slash MKF. They will instantly match your deposit up to $100, and as I always say, just take their free money. Take the free money. Play with that. If you win, you have more free money. If you lose, well, it was free money. Weonpicks.com slash MKF. Next up, at UFC Paris, we've got Khalid Taha taking on Christian Quinones. This is another switcheroo. Christian Quinones is stepping up on short notice. Uh, Khalid Taha lost his original opponent. Khalid Taha's 13-4 overall, 1-3-1 in his last five. But he should be 2-3 because of an overturned submission win. Christian Quinones is 16-3 overall, 4-1 in his last five. Coming off a contender series win, and he is making his official UFC debut on short notice. Khalid Taha is a kickboxer with solid power, great speed, and a nice stance-switching style. He comes forward, and he's not afraid to exchange. He's definitely a striker. But he can grapple when he needs to. He just doesn't really have the takedowns to get it there. And if you look at his recent record, yes, he only has one win in his last five. But he has not had any favorable matchups. He's not really been given any favors at all. The last three were Sergei Morozov, Hani Barsolos, and a win over the little Bruno Silva. But that was overturned because of USADA issues. Christian Quinones is a relentless grappler who never stops coming forward. His technique is not the cleanest, but he just doesn't stop coming forward, and he'll make up for any, you know, imperfections in the technique with pace and pressure. He does a really great job getting you to think that you're in a brawl on your feet, right? He'll stand there, he'll bomb away, and you think, all right, that's what this fight is going to be, and then he will transition just straight up double legs and single legs, and he'll turn it into a grappling match. The issue for Christian is that he can be hit he can set too fast of a pace and when i say he sets too fast of a pace he literally he'll he'll blitz on his feet then he'll shoot a takedown and he'll just like shoot through you and he'll end up in a scramble when he doesn't need to be and instead of settling his hips he'll just start bombing away and he could just end up defending submissions when he was the one who was in a favorable position so sometimes he's a little too eager to fight too eager to get something going but I do like Christian here. He makes a lot of mistakes, 
but they're literally because he's fighting too hard and too fast. Like his mistakes aren't IQ mistakes. It's not that he's striking when he should grapple or the inverse. It's that he's trying too hard and, and shooting too hard and going right through you. He already took you down and he's still rolling forward. Those are the kind of mistakes he makes. But I think he can still outwork, outpace Taha to win. My real concern, I mentioned, Christian is a bit hittable, and Taha has very real power. I think the well-timed takedowns are going to be the difference here, but Khalid Taha is much better than his record. Quinones stepping up on short notice. I don't know what kind of shape he's going to be in. Official UFC debut. A lot of questions there, but I have to break it down as if it was full camp, full camp, and, and full camped up. I think Quinones gets it done. What do you think? Yeah, actually, when I broke down this fight uh, on Twitter, I was doing the live breakdown, and then I checked the odds. I was actually kind of surprised that, that Christian was the underdog. Obviously, it's a very close fight. It's it's kind of close, even closer now. It's almost a pick em, basically. It'll but probably flip, was, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was actually kind of surprised that Christian um, was the dog in this fight because I think that he is kind of the more dynamic striker, um, does a little bit more in his striking with the kicks, as you mentioned, with the pressure. I don't see the, the speed and the power that Taha has, but I definitely see the more dynamic striking, as you mentioned, the, uh, the wrestling ability as well. The thing that I, I, I hedge on the side of Taha in this matchup is not only the experience, because he's fought like it's some killers already in that division. Um, that Morozo fight showed a lot about him, because Morozo was very relentless in the wrestling. And Taha, I know that he was taken down and kind of controlled in the first couple rounds, but he... he it wasn't like a just a, a immediate takedown. I think he actually showed pretty good takedown defense. Morozo was just kind of a different animal when it comes to wrestling. So when it comes to the wrestling of Christian, I don't really worry about that as much with Taha. I think he has a good enough takedown defense to withstand that. And in the striking, he also showed his uh, a hell of a chin um, versus Morozov as well. Morozov landed some good shots, and he just kind of walked right through it and kept pressing forward. And in the third round, this is what I loved about Taha. This, kind of, this is what kind of... Um, got my pick to Taha. Taha is going to be my pick in this fight. Um, that third round, it, most fighters would have broke, man. He, he was he was, he was was taken down and controlled the first, taken down and controlled the second. He knew he needed to finish, but a lot of fighters just don't can't work up to that to be able to try and chase that finish. That third round, man, he was trying to chase a finish. He knows where he's at in a fight, and he's got that dog in him where he was trying to chase that finish. Obviously, it did not, or obviously it did not work out, but you can see the, the, the heart and tenacity that he was bringing in that third round, even though he knew he was due down two rounds, nothing. He didn't break. He didn't quit. He was coming forward. He's got the speed. He's got the power. He's got the chin. And Christian in his contender series fight was wobbled a little bit, right? So I don't know if I can trust his chin against the power of Taha. I know he ended up winning that fight, so he, he ended up working out fine form. But if this is a mostly striking battle, which I think it is, I want the experience, I want the speed, and definitely the power advantage that I see in Taha. So I'm going with Taha. I understand uh, the Christian side of this. I actually was hoping that Taha was the underdog. When I broke down this fight, I was thinking, I think Taha's going to be an underdog. And I think he's going to be my lock of the week if he is. And I checked the odds. I was like, God damn it, man. He's the favorite. Slight favorite. Maybe it flips. Stay tuned Wednesday. We'll It'll see. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's headed that way, but... Um, I do make my picks on Wednesday, so it's got to it's got to flip before then. But if it flips, stay tuned. But yeah, my picks me Taha. Yeah, I mean, I like Quinones in this fight, but not enough to bet him. And then that's the issue because I was when I when he popped up, he was a medium sized underdog, and I was looking at it. I was looking at it. I wanted to place that bet, and I was like, ah, there's just too many factors here. So I didn't pull the trigger. I, you know, I'm done. I'm done. It's. 
I'm disappointed in myself, but then also like, how could you bet it? UFC debut, short notice, and Taha is good. So I didn't, and I guess I'm fine with that. Uh, DraftKings, $8,300 is a great deal if you think Taha, um, if you think Taha's the, uh, the pick. I mean, this is probably one of those, they always talk about like the 81, 80, or you know, $8,000 $8, fighters are always in the optimal lineups. I think one of these guys is probably going to be in the optimal lineup. I think they really go after it. Somebody might find a finish, but both these guys are pretty tough. So it could just be a, a big scoring, good value for either one of these guys. Whoever's going to get the decision wins, probably going to score 90, 100 points, even with strikes. Yeah, so I'm gonna, yeah, I'll go. So, sorry, I'll go with Taha. Yes. With my yeah, I mean, uh, listen, uh, this is a pick your side. If you think Taha wins, then $8,300 is fantastic value for a veteran with some very solid fights in him. If you think Quinones is an awesome debut and he's ready to go and he's ready to rock, $7,900 is solid value there as well. So pick your side. I'm not going to try to convince you either way. Um, Monkey Knife Fight Strike Line. I, I agree. I think, it's a, I think it's a brawl. I think they go at it. I don't see an early finish. I think there's a lot of back and forth. That 81 is very high, though. For a UFC debut, that's a very high 81 because for him to get to that 81, it needs to be a wild brawl, and he needs to get some takedowns, which I think it happens. But I don't know if I would do this monkey knife fight strike line. What do you think? I think without even without the takedowns, I think these boys really go after it for three rounds, and uh, those those add up pretty quickly in those brawls because he, he's he's always moving forward. He's it's the kicks as well. It's not just the it's not just the hands. So I think they get over. Well, if uh, you guys are pretty confident in that, go to wewantpicks.com/m. KF, they will instantly match your deposit. And Monkey Knife Fight, all you need to do is say more or less on the total strikes. If you think Khalid Taha lands more than 65 and Christian Quinones more than 81, go ahead, tell them, and they will triple your money if you're correct. We on picks.com slash MKF. And don't forget, become a premium member. Full access to all of our bets the minute we place them. Jacob placed like seven today. Those all went up. Yeah, you, I was surprised when I got that text. Those went up immediately. We had bets last week, and we do have a bet. I'm not going to tell you. We both have bets on the Anderson Silva-Jake Paul fight. So, yeah, actually, I didn't, put it, I didn't put it on premium membership yet, but it'll be there later today. Anyway, we're on picks.com. Click become a member. It's $10. Just suck it up. And like the stream, please. If you guys don't like the stream right now, I swear yeah, to God, free. I'm coming to your house. I'm getting in contact with all your moms, and it's going to get ugly for you guys. I'm going to become your stepdads. I'm going to ground you. We don't want to go through it. Yeah, and that's free. That costs nothing. Next up, at UFC Paris, we have Benoit Saint-Denis taking on Gabriel Miranda. Benoit Saint-Denis is 9-1 overall, 4-1 in his last five, and he is coming off of his first UFC win. Gabriel Miranda is 16-5 overall, 4-1 in his last five, riding a three-fight submission streak and making his UFC debut. It's UFC Paris, so they're doing everything possible to get French fighters and slap them together. Benoit's got a quick turnaround here from June, supposed to fight Christos Gallegos, but he dropped, and now he's got Gabriel Miranda. So this is our third fight that we're breaking down, right? Is this the third? It's the third, I think. I think so. Every single one of them has a short notice opponent. That's what this card looks like. So this might be a wild, wild card because there's a lot of random factors here. First card in Paris, lots of short notice fights, lots of UFC debuts. It's a wild one out there, guys. 
But Benoit is a very good wrestler with really well-timed shots and a ton of pressure on top. And he's not a cage-grinding wrestler. He's an actual lower-your-level, shoot-at-the-legs, attack-those-hips type wrestler. And I love to see that, right? I'm a wrestler, and I love when people actually wrestle. And when he gets it to the ground, he's got very good pressure and he works to submissions as well. He's got a ton of power in his feet, which he brings with him to the ground, but he can be hittable. And we've seen fights like against Zaleski where if he can't keep it on the ground, he gets worked on his feet. He's coming off that win over Stolze in June where he did showcase his grappling. He had three takedowns and a submission. All of that happened in one and a half rounds. Gabriel Miranda is a slick grappler himself. He has really nice takedowns. He's very much an old school BJJ guy, so he's going to work from position to position and look for submissions instead of pounding away. The problem is that he can be submission or bust at times, and at this point in MMA, just straight submissions, those are coming from scrambles. It's really hard for guys to be submission as plan A, right? If my game plan is I'm going to get him to the ground, I'm going to submit him, it's really hard for that to happen. If you do your own research on Gabriel, his nickname is Fly, and lots of his fights say Gabriel Fly, you're going to be hard-pressed to find footage of him throwing bunches at all. He, like, immediately starts diving at legs, looking to grapple, and he's just so comfortable grappling, and he's so comfortable with BJJ. He is totally fine getting the takedown, then getting swept and fighting off of his back. He's comfortable everywhere on the ground and doesn't panic. I, I actually love Benoit in this matchup. I fully recognize it's grappler versus grappler and Gabriel Miranda is ridiculously dangerous, but it's MMA. He's the better MMA fighter and, and Miranda's going to be stupid dangerous if he's controlling the ground exchanges, but I, I don't know if he can get it there. So I think Benoit is listed at having that 100% takedown defense. It's a bit hollow. He's only defended a few takedowns and they're all from one person, but I don't think the question here is who's the better fighter because that's obviously Benoit, right? He's the better fighter. I think the question is, does Benoit know that he's the better fighter and he doesn't need to wrestle? You don't need to grapple. You don't need to take it to the ground. You can keep it on your feet, bomb away, win the fight there. He certainly can get it to the ground and he's good enough at jujitsu. He should avoid being submitted, right? That he, nowadays, he should not be getting submitted but why even play that game? Keep it on your feet. Bomb away. I like Benoit Saint-Denis to win this fight. I think he can win it anywhere he wants to, but I think it's absolutely stupid to take it to the ground. What do you think? Yeah, this is going to be um, one of those situations. First of all, let's let's talk about Gabriel a little bit because uh, somebody mentioned in the chat, level of competition, not great. He, he's not fighting the, the greatest guy. So when you see all those submission wins, are not against great levels of competition, but he has fought Magomedov who's in Bellator, undefeated Russian fighter. And that fight was very telling to how this fight might go because Magomedov is a grappler at heart. He can't strike as well, but he wants to wrestle. And he completely stayed away from the guard of Gabriel. And I think for good reason, because when you watch Gabriel fight, I know he's a lot of people consider him one of those kind of jiu-jitsu nerds, but this dude's got a lot of dog in him too. And Magomedov, when he was shooting in those takedowns, there was about three or four takedowns where, I mean, instantly 
Miranda is, I mean, that's one of the fastest guillotines I've ever seen. I mean, instantly, where he was in real, real trouble on almost, on almost every shot that he took. And the second he shrugged them off and got out of that guillotine, he's like, all right, I'm not going to the ground. Stand back up and let's go after that. And the reason I say he's a dog, because he knew he was losing that. There's no situation. He knew he was losing that fight. But it wasn't one of these Paul Craig situations where he's gonna, he's doing the butt scoot. He's trying to, you know, Imanari roll into a heel hook or whatever. He is chasing this dude down, throwing wild shots, just doing anything he can to get close. And then he tries to jump up for the guillotine and pull guard. So it's not, you know, he is a jiu-jitsu nerd. And I've, I've, I'm very high on the fact that, and we, we talk about the that pure jiu-jitsu just, pure, just does not work anymore. It just does not work. You can't just straight up su submit somebody. Woo! What the hell is happening? <laughs> Sometimes I just talk and I yeah I just keep talking and talking and then I I, I can't breathe. Um, but it's fine. <laughs> I, it, it's a situation. <laughs> it's a situation. But um, Miranda is one of those dudes, man. That if Saint Denis does take him down, and Saint Denis I think is going to take him down, he should be good enough to withstand all the submissions. But this dude is one of those guys that one mistake and you are absolutely submitted like. That. So I put some, I sprinkled some submission bets. I sprinkled inside the distance decisional action bets on Miranda. He's not going to be my pick because Saint Denis is by far the better fighter, by far the better wrestler. Should have all the control in the world. As Angel mentioned, if he wants to stay on the feet, that should be good enough. But even if he wants to wrestle, he should know what he's doing enough to 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 keep that top control, not get submitted. But I'm telling you right now, Miranda is one of those dudes that one mistake. And you are out of there. You are unconscious. You are losing an arm. So he's got to be careful. But it should be that Ma that Magomedov fight. Just, you know, if you want to get him to the ground and stand back up, win your rounds, get out of danger, that should be the way to fight. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, no, I completely, I, I think we're aligned on this. You took some bets on Miranda, a couple safety net ones, a couple of flyers with some small units. You guys want to check out all of my and Jacob's bets for UFC Paris and Jacob, you have a couple bets for the like way ahead future as well. Become a premium member. Like our fight. Go to, we go I to put we ten thousand dollars on me versus you. Okay. Okay. Minus five hundred dollars. Done. 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 I don't care what the odds are. Done. Done. I don't know, Can we do that? No. I've been I've been uh, I've been rolling around a little bit. I've been doing a little. Uh, I bet. A little of this, a little of that. Anyway, I a bathrobe. Become a premium when, dude, when I was training, I would always call it a bathrobe and they would like get legit annoyed at me because I hate training with the gate. It's so stupid. I'm like, oh, okay. I just oh, love how you you're going like to grab my bathrobe. Anyway, we want Let's picks. Dot Break the belt out. It's in the, it's in my closet. I got it framed. We'll wait. I'll wait. We Go want ahead. picks. Dot. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not it's blue. Yeah, that's what I thought. It's, it's, yeah, it's been a blue. <laughs> I've had a blue belt since 2003. 2003. I might be the longest tenured blue belt in history. It's fantastic. Anyway. Nah, I think you and Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis didn't start back then. I'm a blue uh, belt because he said, Derek I, Lewis says he's the best blue belt in Texas, and you live in Texas as well, so I'd love to see it. He's so strong. Nothing I do would matter. Anyway. <laughs> and Kimura, and he just rips your own arms. None of it would matter. None of it would matter. Well, and the reason I'm a blue belt is because um, – a lot of these old school BJJ guys, and if you started in the early 2000s like I did, you're only getting promoted if you do the key. And I refused. I, 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 it's, I hate it. It's stupid. It's the worst. Weonpicks.com. Become a member. It's at the top. It's $10 a month. All of our bets. All of our, our picks. So I film quick picks on Sundays. 
That's just me. Jacob's not on there. Jacob's picks are on there on Sundays as well, so you don't have to wait till Tuesday. You can get ahead of some of these betting lines. All of our bets are posted the very minute we place them, and we have a full DraftKings optimizer. We on picks.com. Click become a member. It's $10 a month, $2.50 a week. Don't be such a cheap bastard. $10. We on picks.com. Hold on. Next up, at UFC Paris, we have Nasruddin Imavov taking on Joaquim Buckley. Nasruddin Imavov is 11-3 overall, 4-1 in his last five, coming off a stoppage win over Edmund Shabazian last year. Joaquim Buckley is 15-4 overall, 4-1 in his last five, coming off a TKO win just a few months ago. So another fast turnaround on this card. And Nasruddin has very good cardio, and he pairs that with very good grappling. He can strike and counter-strike, which means he should be okay with that forward movement of Buckley. I would say he's more of a grappler, but he has showcased his striking improvements, most recently against Ian, Ian Heinisch last year. He has a nice jab, solid elbow, and he looks very comfortable mixing things up. He's coming off that grappling win over Edmund Shabazian, but he didn't get any takedowns. But he was still able to take over control on the ground and finish. Joaquin Buckley's a powerful striker, and he's going to go down as having the greatest knockout in UFC history. He's a short, jacked guy with big power, and he comes in hot. He's got good forward movement, and he has really improved working on his angles. Traditionally, he would just come straight at you with speed and power, but now he cuts some angles, and he does a really good job ripping the body and then working up to the head. We all know that he's got big power, but ever since DiCirico lost, He's gotten more comfortable not chasing that big knockout. He'll settle in. He'll strike. He'll work with you instead of just trying to get that finish. And we've seen him work in takedowns as well. He had five against Razak Al-Hassan. Man, this is a tricky pick, and you guys hated it. But the line is moving in my favor as far as the pick is concerned. I think Joaquin Buckley gets this done. I am involved. Why you know, his people hate it? All I've seen all week is Buckley, Buckley, Buckley. Oh, no. Dude, Joe, check the Quick Picks comments. It was all, Imovov's a lock. Buckley oh, gets really? smoked. I mean, Imovov's even the comments right now is, is like, Buckley, Buckley. Because Everyone, everyone's like, Buckley, lock of the week. Buckley, lock of the week. Maybe their That's minds have changed. It. But, like, literally on Sunday, all the comments on Quick Picks were, Imovov wins this fight. And then now it's Tuesday and picks are changing. So, either a different crowd or people have done a little more research and have starting to change their mind. But... Um, I think I like Buckley in this matchup. It's not the most confident pick I've ever had, but Imovov doesn't really have a ton of aggressive takedowns, right? He can grapple, but it's not, it's not nonstop. It's, you know, he will give Buckley space to strike, and Buckley's not going to shoot anybody. And so now we're, we have a kickboxing match. And while Imovov is a solid striker, Buckley's faster, more powerful, more dangerous. If history tells us anything, this fight will not go the distance. So... You know, Buckley's the lean for the pick, but if, if as far as betting is concerned, you got to look at rounds, look at does not go the distance, look at that type stuff because, you know, I, I think this fight, you know, Buckley's a 2-1 to one underdog. Nasruddin's a minus 255 favorite. I think it's a much closer fight. I get why Nasruddin's the favorite, but I do think Buckley gets it done. And frankly, you could do a Joaquin Buckley wins inside a distance decision, no action. So if Buckley gets the finish, you'll get paid. If Buckley gets you know, grind it out for a decision, you'll get a full refund. But, you know, I think Buckley could potentially get finished as well. So I it's a tricky, totally tricky place that bet. I know, but I'm, these are my notes. Okay, asshole. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So That's what plus do you think, 170, Jacob? by the way. Yeah, so I, I have that bet. Yeah, so listen. 
for this breakdown, and I've been seeing, I mean, I don't know if you've gotten the same thing. I, obviously not, but I've been bombarded by Buckley Lock of the Week. Obviously, Buckley's a lock of the week. He's got an easy block. This is the easiest lock of the week of all time. Listen, if Buckley wins by knockout, I don't think anyone's going to be surprised. Nobody in the entire world is going to be surprised if Buckley comes through, lands that big shot, and flatlines us, dude. And for that reason, I did do the inside the distance decisional action bets, plus 170 for the guy that's got the way more power in the matchup. So I'll take that gladly. I took that against Durayev as well, and I think that was even like plus 190, and that was very good money. But if Buckley throws the same shots that he was throwing against Durayev, against Imovov, he is in big, big, big trouble. And by that, I mean, if you watch that Durayev fight, I know he ended up finding that knockout, but there was some wild swings and misses in that fight. And the reason of it was because he did not really have to worry about the striking of Durayev, right? He was more worried about the wrestling, didn't have to worry about the striking or the power, the precision of Durayev. So he was able to have that freedom of throwing wild shots. I'm hoping, for Buckley's sake, that he dials it back in. Because I'm glad that you admit, you, you mentioned that uh, the, the, the Dechiro fight. Because if you watch that Dechiro fight, I know that it was the head kick that finally finished him or whatever, but there was a lot of those situations where, where Buckley was blitzing in, and it was just nice technical step-offs, and boop, and then, and then he's gone, right? The, uh, uh, the churro was, was gone. And then Buckley chased him down, big shot, step-off, boop. And that's exactly what's going to happen in this fight with Imanov if Buckley brings in that same game plan of, of just trying to chase those big, big shots. Because Imanov is, is such a good striker, man. He, he is His karate style, in and out, his precision, he's not a super powerful guy. He's not a super fast guy. But the way that he's able to counter these guys is just unreal. Um, I, I, just, I just love his precision in his striking. And then, as you mentioned, he's got wrestling in his back pocket as well. I know Buckley kind of brought in his wrestling a couple fights. But I don't think that anyone's going to wrestle anyone in this fight if anything if Imanov gets in trouble he might be shooting takedowns I think this is a kickboxing match if it's if it's boring it's going to go on Imanov's side I think it's just you know dancing around Buckley's chasing shot big shots he's stepping off he's getting countered I don't think he's going to finish Buckley unless Buckley gets too tired maybe in the, in the late second you know third round type of situation I understand that Buckley has a power advantage. If he knocks him out, I already said this, I'm not going to be surprised, but I got to go with the better striker in this matchup, and Imanov is the much more technical striker in this matchup. So I know that power wins sometimes, and that could happen, and if it does, I'm going to win some money, but my, my pick has got to go with Imanov. Uh, I keep saying Imanov. Ima, yeah, Imanov. where's that end coming from? I don't know, but uh, Imanov... <laughs> Um, in this fight, he's just the more technical fighter, and I've just seen Buckley against a technical fighter and Dechiro before miss big, get hit, and then get knocked out. So uh, I know people are going to hate that pick, um, but maybe they won't. But I got to go with the um, with Imovov. I got hate for the Buckley pick, so either they just love the hate or uh, it's a different crowd. But I I did mention the Dechiro fight, and what I mentioned was ever since that loss. He doesn't seem to be chasing the knockout as much. The Durant right. fight was different. They had history. He knew yeah, that, what he that could was do. different. And I agree. That and, was I, very and I hope different. that and I and I like Buckley. So I hope that he dials it in and finds that finish because I think these odds are, are pretty disrespectful. I, I, Imovov is a better fighter probably, but I mean this should be. I mean this be like, not to steal your line. This probably should be like minus one fifty for Imovov. <laughs> I was gonna say that before, and I was like, yeah. I think I think those are the odds on every because you know what the problem is you can do too much research and sometimes I do too much and then I'm like he can win and I like convince myself that like, well this is a lot closer than and then it's not <laughs> got to go with the gut but anyway uh, we're split on this pick 
Um, but I think we agree with each other's analysis, so it's an interesting. Yeah, there's there's a there's a lot of uh, fight. I, we we looked at our fights on Sunday's a premium. Oh, members we're split on a ton of, of our them. picks. Yeah, yeah, we're split. But there was only one where I was like, oh, what are you what are you doing here? I, I understand, you know, your picks even even when we're different. So, well, guys, when we're I know it's probably frustrating for some of you when Jacob and I are split. But if you, all of our premium members, if you go to the Quick Picks page, we have my picks, Jacob's picks, then Frank Joe Dune, who breaks down all of these cards. I think he's got a 70% accuracy since he's been doing it. All his picks are listed there as well as a tiebreaker. And then we've got Artem, um, DFS Wheezy, a few other people, uh, Josh, their picks are listed there as well. So Premium members, if you go to the Quick Picks page, it's not just me and Jacob. Scroll down, and you'll see a bunch yeah, of need, other people's we need, picks. Yeah, as we well. need a special sh- section. I don't know if Swivy, Swivy is in here, but if you guys are in the Discord, join the Discord. This dude Swivy has the wildest conspiracies in the entire world. He had this wild Rocky conspiracy about why Leon Edwards was going to win, and now he has some wild ones for this card as well. We need a whole conspiracy section just for Swivy. In my mind, that dude is wild. If you argue with him in Discord, good luck. <laughs> but this part, have some fun. <laughs> he seems to have free time because those yeah, are yeah he's, uh, he's a he's a funny dude he's a funny dude well anyway that discord is free so i know i'm pushing a lot of ten dollar bullshit on you and you should spend that ten dollars and become a premium member a the value is there and b it's fucking ten dollars uh the discord is 100 percent free we're not going to charge you for that uh draft kings nine thousand to seventy two hundred though that pricing shocks me I mean, Juan, Joaquin Buckley's got to be the better value at 7,200, right? Like, he's the one that's ridiculously live for the finish. Yeah, and, li- and not just live, like, in the first two minutes or whatever. He's going to yeah, be live throughout whenever. the entire fight, and yeah. I don't see him getting finished either. So, I mean, yeah. That, I mean, that's why I put money on him. I mean, that's, um, yeah. Yeah, $9,000 seems like a trap. Uh, that's a lot of money to spend. And a lot of people build their lineups just by, uh, oh, well, that's an expensive fighter. Boom, and they just do it that way. I would not do that. With like this Jay. fight, the monkey, the monkey, and, and then Jay, a premium member, also my brother-in-law, son of a bitch, won himself like six hundred dollars on a five-dollar buy-in, or eight hundred bucks on a five-dollar buy-in, or something. And he's the and, and I literally text him like, "How did you build that lineup? What did you do?" He's like, "I just went on the website and used all your, all like on the premium member stuff, and I just used all that. I just I picked like, all the Russians." I was like, "I guess I I guess it works then." Anyway. Uh, Monkey Knife Fight Strike Line, 58 to 36. You're going to save more and more, right? You think this fight goes a little longer. Yeah, I think this is... I actually kind of love that that more and more situation. Well, uh, if you guys like the more and more is there as well, blah, 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 blah. Weonpicks.com slash MK. Swiffy. They will instantly match your deposit up to $100. Take the free money. Play some of these lines. All you need to do is say more or less on the strike lines. And I know we push a lot of shit, but uh, literally that's how we keep the lights on. Swivy, and Swivy's got Swivy's wild conspiracy this week. He just put it in the chat. I said, if they all win, then he can pick my uh, lock of the week next week, but he has gone by submission. So it's gotta be Buckley, Vittori, Charles and gone by submission. And then he can pick my lock of the week next week. I don't give a shit. That dude's wild. If he hits it again, I'm all in Swivy. Let's go, baby. Uh, I think Buckley wins. Well, I'm not going to do spoiler on the other ones. That's not that crazy of a... Anyway, we'll get to those fights to break them down. Next up, at UFC Paris, we got Faraz Ziam taking on Makal Figlak. It's such a harsh last name. That is not a smooth last Figlak. name. Figlak. What's it? Faraz Ziam... Fijlash. Fijlash? 
Fijlu. Fijla. Um, Faraz Ziam is 12-4 and four overall, 3-2 and two in his last five, and he is coming off the submission loss to Terrence McKinney. McCall Figlak is 8-0 overall, 5-0 in his last five, obviously, and he's coming off a win just last month, and he's making his UFC debut. So again, another slap that shit together at the last minute fight on this fight card. That's why this is going to be a wild card. A wild card. So many random factors going on here. But Farasiyam is a long, rangy striker who also works well in the clinch. He manages range with solid leg kicks. And if he works to a clinch, he's got solid elbows. He's a technical fighter and he avoids risks really well. He picks his shots and only engages when he sees an opportunity. Meaning, he has no issue waiting on the outside. Just waiting for the perfect time to come in. And mix it up before quickly working back out of range. He takes his time and he looks to point his way to a win. McCall Figlock is a powerful striker and solid grappling. And he's got an aggressive style. He's always plodding forward and he controls the middle of the cage really well. He can be hittable, but it really doesn't stop him from pressuring forward. He has very good wrestling, but he uses it defensively more than anything. When he does take shots, they are clean doubles with his head on the outside. All around, Figlak is very skilled, but hittable. I expect Ziam to be the better striker in this matchup. Uh, he's not going to have any power, because he doesn't. But he's going to have the technical advantage. So Figlak manages the middle of the cage really well, but that plays into exactly what Faraz Ziam wants to do. He likes to stay on the outside and pick his shots. So... If Ziam had power, he would absolutely be the pick, but he does not have any power. So he's not really a threat to do anything other than just pot shot no, pot shot his way to a decision. No, I think the, the odds in the DraftKings on this are all fucked up. Do I have it backwards? Uh, yeah, Ziam is a plus 175, so I don't know. He might. All right, well, the graphic's wrong. We'll get that fixed for you. Um... Anyway, Ziam doesn't have any power, so I'm not really worried about a stoppage here from him, and I'm not worried that Figlak is hittable. I think Figlak does miss a lot with big power shots. I think he gets picked apart with the jabs, and then he moves to his wrestling, and then he wins there. So I think Figlak wins a wrestling decision, but if he doesn't shoot, uh, I really can't see him winning. But Figlak is the pick, and I just have to trust that he's going to get it done with the grappling, but no bets on this fight. What do you think, Jakey boy? Yeah, just to clear it up for those gra- the Ziam is plus 175 right now. He was the dog. He's I think he's getting a little bit of a wider dog. People are saying that he's $7,700 in DraftKings. And, and here's how I see this matchup. Uh, Mikal, Michal, whatever his name is. His nickname is Mad Dog. And in this fight, he needs to be a mad dog because if this is a very clean kickboxing match, um, Ziam is going to beat a lot of people in the lightweight division in, in, in kickboxing. He's just so long and so technical in his striking. He's a very good counter puncher as well. If you try to blitz in, he, he's, he's got those nice short little counters. Um, I'll be honest with you. Um, how, how do I say this? nicely because because Ziam uh could probably beat me up as well I think it'd be tough but uh he could probably beat me up as well the guy is, seems like kind of a pussy honestly and I mean that in the most respectful way possible because in that Terrence McKinney fight the second he was losing that scramble and Terrence McKinney kind of locked up that submission he didn't try to fight that at all I mean he was just laying there 
Like, with the submission, he wasn't trying to get his chin out. He wasn't trying to fight hands. The guy just kind of was laying there and was like, oh, shit. Like, what do I do now? I was like, oh, I lose. And then just kind of sat there like he didn't give a shit. So I hate the the um, the instincts and kind of what he shows in the octagon. He doesn't look like he has that that tenacity, that killer instinct. He he's not a power puncher, as you mentioned. He just kind of do, 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 do. And we just saw another guy like that get absolutely destroyed, and that's Sean Woodson. We saw Sean Woodson come in, a long striker that just kind of throws out volume, bop, 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 and somebody got in his face, and he just folded. And the same thing can happen in this fight. That's the reason why why Mad Dog is the favorite in this fight. I actually thought that Zion was going to be the un, or the favorite in this fight because he is the better striker in what I assume is going to be a mostly striking battle. But if you're Mad Dog, you got to get in his face, you got to blitz him, you got to eat some of those shots to get inside, either work to get those takedowns because he is a little bit exposed in that area, or just make this an absolute absolute brawl um in that in that regard so what i'm gonna do in this fight is i'm gonna pick Ziam because he is the better more technical striker which and i think that this is going to be a more technical fight i did put a money line bet on Ziam because i do believe he is the much more better much more better he is the much, much more better yeah oh he is the God. that's the indiana that's, that's public education <laughs> um he is the the better striker in this matchup and my whole big thing at the lock of the week eight in a row pick the better striker what should be mostly striking battle i'm going with Ziam, but i don't love his tenacity in the octagon i'll be honest with you guys so if he loses i'll never pick him again but i'm going with him one last time and we'll see what happens yeah, I also think um, he's probably, you know, uh, the pricing is wrong. The odds are wrong here. But I also think he's getting a little uh, shit on because of how badly he lost to Terrence McKinney. So I think they're factoring that in. But, it's, you know, Terrence McKinney's proven that he's he's good. Very good. Very good. So, and I think Ziam just got his um, purple belt, if I remember, on his Instagram. So it's not like he's, like, absolutely clueless on the ground. I think in the wrestling he probably is, but at least, you know. Yeah, a little bit better than the blue. Yeah, purple. Jeez. Um, so the pricing is actually eighty five hundred for Figlak, and then seventy seven for Ziam. Even in a win, Ziam's not going to score very well. You don't score well with jabs, low volume jabs on the outside. So he's not a good underdog in DraftKings. Even if he gets the win, Figlak could get the finish. Could come forward, elbow away, beat him up. But again. I, I do think he wins the fight. I think he controls the pace. Um, but, you know, uh, I don't love it. I don't love it. I, um, I love Ziam in, in a strike. That's why I put a money line bet on him. In, in a striking battle, I do love him. But as you mentioned, DraftKings, he is not going to see my DraftKings. Because I think the more boring this fight is, the more I favor Ziam. If it turns into a slugfest, it's Mad Dog all the way. So this could be a live bet situation. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. I, I like Figlak to win. But again, this card is just riddled, ripe. With UFC debuts, short notice fights, yeah, combinations is, um, of the two, which this is. Yeah, this is uh, the hometown of uh, Ziam too, right? He's he's French, I believe. Or Canadian, like a Charles Jordan situation. No, he's France. He's from France. Okay. France. La France. La France. Um, Monkey Knife fight, 54 to 68. 54 is going to be hard on the outside. 68 is probably doable if he can close the distance. I'm not touching it. As much as I want you to use the promo code, I'm not going to touch the Monkey Knife fight strike line. Next up, at UFC Paris, we have former lock of the week, Dustin Stolzfus, taking on Abus Magomedov. Dustin Stolzfus, 14-4 overall, 2-3 in his last five, coming off the win 
over Dwight Grant just a few weeks ago. Abus Magomedov is 24-4, and 3-1-1 and one in his last five in making his UFC debut. Was that a hiccup? Uh, it's a, it was a monster burp. Jesus Christ, dude. You're like, you're falling apart. You're like literally out of breath talking about fights and then choking on juice. Well, it's, it's my heart's racing. I get excited, Angelo. You should see. <laughs> it's where the blood's going. That would that would <laughs> make the picks a little more logical. Uh, Dustin Stolzfus is a busy striker with very good power. He's got a BJJ brown belt. And a black belt in that other weird martial art that we didn't know the name, but it's kind of like BJJ. Submission he wrestling. Has, he, I thought it had a name. It does have It has like a stupid yeah, it's, name. It's a, yeah, but it's submission wrestling, basically. Yeah, so BJJ. And uh, he solid off his back, but that's not what he's looking for. He did just snap a three-fight skid a few weeks ago with a close win over Dwight Grant. He landed twice as many strikes in that fight but was really only able to win because of a pair of well-timed takedowns and control. Abus Magomedov is a powerful and versatile striker with wrestling as a backup plan. He has very sneaky power because it just never looks like he's throwing big shots, but when he connects, people are put down. He's a long striker who does a great job using his length to counter and keep people at the end of his strikes. He will throw everything from tight hooks to head kicks, and even though he can be hittable, he recognizes it, and if he's on the wrong end of an exchange, he quickly shoots double legs. He is a genuine prospect, but this is going to be a very real test for him. And it's an interesting matchup because outside of the UFC, Abus has looked great. He's dropping opponents. He's taking them down. He's making it all look effortless. But we've seen that before. We have seen these prospects with solid records destroying the regional scene come into the UFC and just not have that same success. And Dustin has three losses in the UFC but we've said this in other breakdowns. Those were quality losses, and they were to specialists. Those three losses were to top-notch grapplers. And Abus can wrestle, and he can grapple, but he's not exactly Rodolfo Vieira. And I'm just so torn on this pick because when I first did the breakdown, I said, I think Dustin Stolzfus can get this done. I think it might look like the Grant fight where he doesn't have a ton of success on his feet, but he can hang and ultimately uses the takedowns for the control and the win. But Abus can also wrestle, so he can get the takedowns, and he can control from there. So I'm just so torn on this fight. I literally flip-flop. I said in text message to you, I'm switching it. I'm leaving Dustin. I'm going to the Magomedov side. I just don't know what to do. I really don't because as good as Abus has looked, his record's hollow, man. Those are not, those are not quality opponents on the regional scene. They're just not. And not that Dustin is a UFC killer, but he has fought UFC talent, and his three losses in the UFC were to straight grapplers. And Abus is not a straight grappler. What do you think, Jakey Boy, your former lock of the week? He pulled you out yeah. of the slump. Well, he didn't pull. He was like the third or fourth one in there. But he is part of the eight-week, uh, eight-fight win streak on, on lock of the week. And, and the reason I picked him was because he had such an advantage in the wrestling, in the grappling over Dwight Grant. Um <laughs> And I'm going I'm to try to be really, di- or really respectful here because I, I, lo- I love Dustin. 
I, I love Dustin. He's a, he's a great dude. I was so happy to see him get the win against Dwight Grant. I made him my lock of the week. I messaged him on Instagram. Uh, Ludo Livre is is with that that martial arts. The no gi, I guess. He's a black belt and, and no gi, but he's a brown belt and gi. I don't know. He, that's what he messaged me. So I was messaging him on Instagram. I told me he's my lock of the week. Uh, he was excited about it. Went out, got it done. The issue is with Dustin. His fight IQ, man, is just fucking atrocious because he had such an advantage in the wrestling against Dwight Grant and just chose not to use it until he, like, absolutely had to use it. That guy will just walk forward, hands down. <laughs> when I say, when I mention dogs, there's a few people I mentioned that are absolute dogs. Dustin is one of those absolute dogs. That guy does not give a fuck, man. Hands down, throwing wild looping shots that aren't powerful, aren't quick, but he just you can just tell he just loves fighting when he's in there, man. And and it's hard to knock a guy for just loving fighting and, and not just chasing boring, you know, I, I'm going to take you down and hold you type situations, which is how he would beat most people. Unfortunately, in this matchup, he doesn't have that advantage. He's going to beat people or he should beat most people that he can out-wrestle. And he should be able to out-wrestle a lot of people even though his fight IQ, sometimes he just doesn't wrestle sometimes. Like we saw against Dwight Grant until the very end. He was he was the closest. And this eight-fight win streak, he was the closest one where it was like, holy shit, I'm about to lose this. And then he picks him up and slams him in the third round, and we got the job done. But Dustin d- does not have the striking advantage. They're not even close in the striking advantage in this matchup. I don't think he has the wrestling advantage, and I don't think he has the submission advantage as well. So when I'm looking at this matchup, I love Dustin. Great dude. I'll be rooting for him. I'll be pulling for him. And I got to pick my dude Magomedov. I put a money line bet on him as well. I just don't see anywhere where Dustin wins his fight. Unless, you know, we saw Magomedov, that, that little flash knockout that has happened, you know, three fights ago. That was a weird little, it wasn't a big shot, but it was a weird little shot right on the button. And Dustin does throw wild shit. They're very telegraphed. It's a lot of swings and misses. But if he hits that right shot, we might be able to see it again. But unfortunately for this matchup, I can't go back-to-back for Dustin. I'll be rooting for him, but I got money on Magomedov, and I think he absolutely gets the job done here. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm not going to I'm not gonna argue. Uh, I'm just, you know what I mean? Like I, like I said, I, a lot of that Dustin pick, I just feel like uh, of those 24 Abu Swins, a lot of them are bullshit. A lot of them are bullshit. And we have seen that many times before. Uh, we were trying to figure out the name of that martial art. Thank God for Kenny. He said, Luda I just said it in my breakdown. I he said, said it's Luda Livre. He said Luda Livre is like a martial art and based out of Brazil or somewhere. So just I have the, he says, he says Black Belt inside. and Luda Livre. He says Black Belt and Luda Livre. Hey, no dickhead, gi. I was Brown making fun of Kenny for having gi. literally zero insight. It's like a martial art. It's based out of Brazil or somewhere. That was the joke, and you hey, had to Angela, interrupt with your stupid fucking hat. Kiss your dumb my dick. Okay, cool. Yeah. Oh, he said okay. Pull it out. Somehow pull it out. Pull it out. I'll, pop I it don't forward. pull it out. Let's I flopped that thing out, man. Yeah, I, okay. I'll, fucking expedition trying to find that thing. But people have found the end of a rainbow before they could find that thing. You think anyway, so? $7,300 in DraftKings, $8,900. you going to spend the $8,900? Fucking leprechaun. Oh, good one. <laughs> it actually works because you're also, uh, you have the complexion of a leprechaun. I don't think I do. And the height. I got the, mu- actually, I got the money of is- a leprechaun, I'll tell you that. <laughs> no doubt about that. It's a penthouse apartment, you know what I mean? Okay, sure. Yeah, do a pan. Are you going to spend the $8,900? Yeah, 
I got it's a, a penthouse on. apartment, but anytime you get gotta, up to take a leak, we we hear it. No, I got a, I got a bitch on the bed right there, literally. So can't can't pan it. Okay, the, like yeah, literally, a female dog. Eighty nine hundred dollars. Are you spending it in DraftKings? I can't do that to Dustin, man. He's tough. I mean, Dustin's tough. He's not going to be an easy an easy put out. Okay, but he might get put out. Yeah, I, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Um, I like to, I, like I said, it, it's really, I fully recognize, I mean, listen to my breakdown and that's the most important part. The picks are important, obviously, but listen to the insight that lead up to the pick. Cause again, Jacob and I are split, but we're both correct. Everything we've both said is correct here. Dustin has fought the higher level of opponent. Dustin has a path to victory, but Abus has legit power, even though it doesn't look like it. And he's very, very well-rounded. My concern is his regional record. I think it's kind of bullshit. Outside of that... Most, most, but, I mean, most people's regional record is bullshit. Yeah, but he's coming from Russia. Like, if you dig into it, there should be other, like, 10-1 guys. And they're not. They're, like, 24 of them. A, you know, a lot right. of them are the losing last, records. The last guy record. he fought was 13-2. The okay. guy before he finally that stepped it up. was 0-2. Okay. <laughs> 20, guy the had guy 25 professional... <laughs> The guy he lost to was 18 and four. Okay. That was a flash knockout. Let's keep going. The guy before that, three round decision was 12 and six. Swedish dude. Before that okay. was a draw to an 18 and five dude. So I think okay. your argument's not really holding up here. It is holding before up. Before that, no, I mean, these are all good records. Before that, he fought in his last five, a draw, a knockout loss, a dude who was 0 and 2 is one the of the wins. 12 and 4. Get the Dan hell Hope, out let's of see here. what Dan Hope is 14 and 9. Very respectable because he has three <laughs> losses in a row after he fought him. Okay. I know he has that was one, the beginning of the end. Anyway, him. Monkey Knife Ice Strike Line 53 to 62. I think we have our first less less. I don't think it goes that far. Like, I think they do bomb away. One of them's going to catch the other, or Abus is going to get rocked and then just start grappling and then hang out on top. What do you think? I think this is three rounds. Dustin's tough, man. I think it's more and more. All right. Well, I think it's less, less. You think it's more and more. If you guys uh, know which way you want to go with that, go to weonpicks.com slash MKF. They will instantly match your deposit. And if you want $50 for free, I'll send you 50 bucks. I've sent it. Many, many, many times before, go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. Sign up with any one of our betting partners, make a deposit, and I'll send you $50 cash app, PayPal, Venmo. And don't forget to become a premium member. All of our bets, all of our picks, other people's picks as well, all of our raw notes. We draft every, or we rank every single DraftKings player by salary, and we have an optimizer, a full DraftKings optimizer. And if you don't know what that is, you literally say who you want in your lineup, who you don't want in your lineup. Just pick one or two fighters and let the optimizer do the rest. It'll calculate projected ownership and projected score, and it'll build you the perfect lineup. That's what it does. We on picks.com. Click become a member. Next up at UFC Paris, we have potentially fight of the night opening up the main card. We got Charles Jourdain taking on Nathaniel Wood. Charles Jourdain is 13 and 5 overall, 3 and 2 in his last five. And he is coming off that loss to Shane Burgos just a month ago. Nathaniel Wood is 18 and 5 overall, 3 and 2 in his last five. And he is alternating wins and losses, but he's coming off that win over Charles Rosa at UFC London. Again, 
couple of quick turnarounds here. What is so funny? <laughs> Don't look at the oh, chat. Okay. <laughs> um, Charles Jourdain is a fun, come-forward striker who also has a great chin. He's incredibly fast, has great timing, and is willing to take chances with spinning and flying attacks. He's coming off a grappling loss to Shane Burgos where he showed just how incredibly tough and conditioned he is. He was taken down twice, gave up six and a half minutes of control time, but he never stopped coming forward with insane just effort and energy, and he landed more than 100 strikes than Shane in a loss where he was controlled for six and a half minutes. Think about that. A fight's only 15 minutes. Six and a half of them, this dude was being controlled, and he still landed 100 more strikes than his opponent. And that's Charles Jourdain in a nutshell. He has zero takedowns in his UFC career, and he's just looking to bang away. Nathaniel Wood is a good striker with solid power and great dirty boxing, but he can grapple as well. If you check out his UFC debut, he sunk in a really nice darse, but he was losing most of the striking exchanges before that. He's got slick upper body takedowns and great control on the ground. I love his volume of more than six significant strikes per minute, combined with his 76% takedown defense. He lets his hands fly with confidence that he won't be taken down. And he's coming off that win over Charles Rosa where he had two 10-8 rounds, but he still couldn't get that finish. And it's an awesome fight. I'm very glad they put this together. The card's kind of weak, but fights like this make it entertaining. Both of these guys are very exciting strikers. I think Wood probably going to have the you know just more raw power, but I think Jordan's going to have more success. I think he's going to be the better overall striker Fully recognize that Wood is the more technical striker, but Jordan's volume, his pressure, I, I do like him there. I think Wood will be on the wrong side of some of those exchanges, and he's going to look to grapple like Shane did, but I don't think he's going to have the same success that Shane did. Nathaniel Wood is awesome. He can absolutely win this fight, but how could I not pick Charles Jordan? Over that last year, he has seemed to settle in and gotten very comfortable with his style. I fully recognize, and it's funny because Charles Jordan is like super popular. I think he's like a popular pick this week. He's only four and five in the UFC. He has a losing record in the UFC. And a couple of those losses, he was just straight up out grappled. Like Desmond Green, Andre Feely, Julian Rosa, and now Shane Burgo. So Nathaniel does have the striking and the grappling to get this done. But I don't think anything can prepare you for Charles Jourdain. A lot of people think he won that Shane Burgos fight. I just don't... I think it's so hard to prepare for a guy that will just come forward with 100% effort every second of the entire fight. So I like Charles Jourdain to get this done, and I do have a money line bet. I got it at minus 144. So, you know, the odds moved a little bit, but nothing meaningful. What do you think, Jakey boy? Uh, was I surprised that, that that Nathaniel Wood was the underdog in this matchup? Absolutely. Because this is another one of those situations where he is the much more technical, not only just striker, but technical fighter overall. And I, I don't think there's any question about that. Charles Jordan, I mean, there's not, no disrespect to Charles Jordan. It's just Nathaniel Wood is one of those dudes that is just super, super tight. Every, it seems like everything he does is, is with purpose and he doesn't really make mistakes in the octagon, especially to come off that long layoff and look as sharp as he did in a new weight class against a big guy. And I know Charles Rosa isn't like a, a dynamic striker that right. So he was able to touch him up probably more than he's going to be able to uh, Charles Jordan. But his timing was on instantly, and that just shows how hard he has been working up to that point. To change weight classes, long layoff, and look that sharp is, is flat out amazing. The issue in this fight is 
coming from 135 to 145, Nathaniel Wood has that 135 power. He's not he's not bringing a 145, 155 type power. So when he's when he's striking with Charles Jordan, he, it's not going to be one of those shots where he's he's looking to knock out. He's going to hurt Charles Jordan. He has to outstrike and 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 outbox and and out everything Charles Jordan for 15 minutes and he cannot make one mistake because Charles Jordan is one of those dudes that just throws that wild shit and if you're in the wrong place if you zig when you should have zagged you're going to be in big trouble you're going to catch one of those big shots either a flying knee one of those wild kicks a spinning back fist a a spinning elbow a big elbow, whatever it is he's going to have something ready for you waiting for that one mistake that you make and if you're Nathaniel Wood you just got a 15 minutes stay technical um, and not make that mistake. And the biggest thing that's going to determine this fight is is Charles Rosane leg kicks. He he loves those leg kicks, especially early. You saw that against Shane Burgos, just blasting that front leg. You know Nathaniel Wood is quick enough. He is one. He is a 135er. You know originally, so he's. I think he's going to be able to withstand those leg kicks. You know in and out, maybe check them. But if he's able to get the timing of those leg kicks that he was able to get against Charles uh, Charles Rosa. Because Rosa was trying to throw some leg kicks too. Once he found those timing, it was a leg kick and boom, it was a big right hand right over the top that was really giving some issues to Charles Rosa. And Charles Rosa is also as tough as they come. A lot of people would have quit and got finished in that fight. But those leg kicks are going to be key. Whether whether Jordan is able to beat up his leg early and now all of a sudden the in and out movement and the technical striking of his wood is, is compromised and maybe he's trying to wrestle at that point. Or is Wood able to get the timing early of those leg kicks and really touch Jordan early and really put him on the back foot? And that's when Nathaniel Wood is. He's one of those fighters that as the fight goes on, if he's able to touch up Jordan, he's going to be more and more confident, more and more comfortable. And he's going to start to get a little bit heavier on the shots. His slipping is going to be a little bit cleaner. He is one of those guys that his confidence just grows and grows and grows. Um... And, and, and I, th- I think that's the way it's going to go in this fight. He's the more technical fighter. I don't see him trying to, you know, do the grappling thing against Charles Jordan because Charles Jordan is, is pretty slick on the ground. And I think that's where he can make some mistakes. I think he has an obvious technical striking advantage against Charles Jordan. And if he just is able to withstand that one mistake for 15 minutes, he should be able to just outstrike uh, Charles Jordan and touch him up um, for that victory. But Charles Jordan is, is a dangerous dude, man. There's a reason why he's a favorite in this fight. He's a dangerous dude, throws a wild shit, tough dude, gets better as the fight goes on. Um, so it's going to be a tough. These are, I, this is the, the best competition both these fighters have fought. No disrespect to, to uh, Shane Burgos, but this is the best person that Nathaniel Woods fought. This is the best push, person that Charles Jordan fought. As you mentioned, I'm losing my breath. Here. As you mentioned, this could be. I uh, know. As you mentioned, I get excited, man. I get. I put. I put my, I put my fucking heart in this shit. Um, but yeah, my pick is. Uh, it's gonna be with the dog. We'll see if he still ends up with the dog at the. Uh, I'll be. I wouldn't be surprised if these odds flip. To be honest with you, but uh, they, he's a they dog may. right now. They're I, moving a little bit, and I. I have wouldn't a, be surprised. I have a money I, line I think, bet on. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm still going. I mean, Jesus I have a money Christ line bet on Nathaniel Wood. Fucking, I think these odds are are gonna go back and forth. I think people will bet the underdog, regardless of who it is, and then it'll flip, and then they'll bet the other underdog. Can because I be honest with you, real quick? I'd prefer if you weren't. Well, to that point. I was going to pick whoever the underdog was. I was going to put money on whoever the underdog was in this fight. Yeah, see, I, I was probably going to pick Nathaniel Wood, but you know, I agree. I think the people love chasing the underdog money on this. And to yeah, another cause... point, I'm just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the um, yeah, listen, Nathaniel Wood. I agree. He's going to be the more technical guy. I don't think it matters. Uh, Charles Jordan has beaten people that were more technical than him. I just don't think it matters. He's just going to keep coming and keep throwing, and he's not going to stop. And you mentioned beat everyone. 
you th- you mentioned Nathaniel Wood gets more confident as the fight goes on. Charles Jourdain does too, and it doesn't even matter if he's losing. He was losing that Shane Burgos fight and just got more confident, more aggressive, kept coming, and started to win towards the end because of that. So it should be a really fun fight. That's the only thing that really matters here. $8,400 of 78, pick your side. Pick your side. I will say this fight should be a pick em. The DraftKings should be a pick em. Um, you know, I, I do think Jordan wins. I'm probably too confident in him. But that's why I did the money line bet. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens there. But uh, I'm not going to argue with anybody that's on the wood side or wants either one of them in DraftKings. My only issue with the Monkey Knife Fight strike line is I hate, I hate picking mores on men that are over 100, close to 100. It's just so many strikes. And Charles Jordan landed... 120 significant strikes. Not even total. This is total. Significant strikes in his last fight. So he should blow past this. But still, I just... It's just such a high number. What do you think? I gotta go more, more man. Until, until I see something different from Charles Jordan. Yeah. I mean, he's gonna be there. And Nathaniel Wood is just volume, volume, volume as well. So, we'll see what happens. Yep. Someone no, said, give I, me Wood. I've heard that before. Okay. Uh, all right. Um, you want 50 free bucks? We want picks.com slash bets. Sign up with any one of our betting partners. Make a deposit. I will send you $50 and become a premium member with full access to every single one of our bets the very second we place them, either a week, months, days in advance of fights, and hopefully ahead of the line movement. But we also have a DraftKings optimizer and all sorts of other fantasy and betting tools. We on picks.com. Click become a member at the top. It's only $2.50 a week. Be real, guys. We spend more than that on the Monster Energy drink that Jacob drinks every week for this show. It's true. Next up at UFC Paris, we have a contender series fight. We got William Gomez taking on Jarno Ahrens. William Gomez, 10-2 overall, 5-0 in his last five, and he is riding an eight-fight win streak into his UFC debut. Jarno Ahrens is 13-3 overall, 3-1-1 in his last five, and he's also making his UFC debut. William Gomez is a very well-rounded prospect who's constantly working for a finish. He can knock you out, submit you, or outwork you, and it's hard to label him as any one thing because he's genuinely good everywhere. He's got solid Muay Thai striking and very opportunistic grappling where he will snatch things up in scrambles. The criticism on Gomez is that he can be low volume at times and look to counter. If you come charging forward, he will back up and counter strike. But if you wait, so will he and you can end up in a staring contest. Jarno Ahrens is also a well-rounded prospect. He's got solid striking and solid takedowns when he needs them. And unlike Gomez, he's not a counter-striker. He likes to come forward and dictate that striking pace. He does a very good job working the body and the head, as well as mixing in kicks. He throws everything with power, which makes him dangerous, but it does also set him up to be taken down because he sort of overcommits. And when I first saw this site fight added, I was annoyed, right? Like, who the hell are these two random people that they threw on this fight card? And now it's on the main card. But then I started doing research, digging in, and I realized this is a pretty fun fight. Both these guys are solid strikers who can grapple if they need to. Both guys throw with intent. Both guys are hungry for a UFC win. Stylistically, it is interesting, though, because Gomez is a counter striker, and Aaron likes to come forward, and that plays directly into Gomez's strength. I do like Gomez to get this done, 
because of that counter striking and the clinch work, but these odds are pretty wide. They have tightened a bit, um, but they are a little wide. Jarno's legit good. And if Gomez just waits too long, then Jarno's just going to blast right through him and get the win. So Gomez is the pick, but, you know, I, I, I always find it hard to bet on these guys that wait. You can't wait. You just got to go out there and let your hands fly. What do you think, Jakey Boy? I disagree with the the waiting of Gomez, and I actually really, really, really like Gomez as a fighter because he seems like a guy, um, especially these young guys, it seems like they're either kind of space fighters where they like to fight in space or they're clinched, they're grapplers, and it's not. It's very rarely where you find a fighter that is very good at, at pretty much everything, and Gomez is one of those dudes that – it almost seems like he's a better fighter at space, but he enjoys that clinch. And what I love about his clinch work is when he gets his back against the cage, he's like, uh, fuck that. No, my back is never going to be against the cage. For three rounds in one of the fights I watched, every time his back touched the cage, he digs the undertook, he reverses it, and that's where it kind of gets to your low-volume situation because it'll hold guys against the fence, and it'll just kind of grind him like that. But in the UFC... Again, as he's making his way up in this division, that's how he's going to win fights a lot of times. Because if you're just trying to knock people out and just try to knock everyone out, you're going to get caught. You're going to lose fights. But if you're able to just grind and push people against the cage and be boring, get those takedowns, you're going to be able to have some really good success and then find the big fights. And then you can start worrying about trying to knock people out and all that stuff in the big fights. I love Gomez, you know, in this matchup. I know a lot of people are probably going to chase... um, inside the distance bets on Gomez, I would assume, because he does seem like more of the finisher of the two. But Jarno is another one of those dudes that he's pretty good in the striking, pretty technical in the striking. As you mentioned, he's more of the, the push-forward type of dude. He does have the same kicks as Gomez, which I think is going to be lackluster here, and it's going to hurt him in this fight. What I worry about in this fight for Gomez, I think he should win. He's going to be my pick. I think he should win. I, I would be I would be scared to chase inside the distance because you know, Jarno is tough. I worry about late in a wrestling situation of him losing a scramble. And, and not necessarily losing the fight because of it, but he could find himself in a bad situation because, as you mentioned, Jarno also has wrestling in his... In, 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 whoa, that was almost... You're a mess, I had to stop yeah. myself. That was... I mean, this monster <laughs> got me going, wow. Um, I, I worry about maybe losing a scramble late and maybe the, the first two rounds were a little bit closer than he expected and all of a sudden it's a weird scorecard, something like that. Um, Gomez is definitely my pick. I think he's the, he's the better fighter. I think he's going to have some really, really good success in the UFC. I think he's that good uh, type of prospect. But uh, I worry a little bit in, in some scramble situations. He could find himself on the bad end of those. And as you mentioned, if he's just clinching against the cage, we've seen people lose decisions like that where you're not doing a whole lot. And maybe there's a big shot in between. So, you know, a lot of people are probably going to chase Gomez inside the distance. I understand it, but I'd be a little bit careful with that. But my pick absolutely is Gomez in this fight. I, I, I love I love this dude. Love this dude. Yeah, so we're aligned on the pick. I'm a little less confident than you. Um, but I do think Gomez gets it done. But and it's it feels like the betting public agrees with me where Gomez is the pick. But it, it's the line has tightened in that direction, right? He's, he opened as a much larger favorite than he is now, I believe. I could be misremembering the line. He's minus 220 right now. I don't know what he opened. I can check. I thought quick. he was like minus three something when he opened, but I, I could be oh, wrong on that. Oh, come on. Let me see. Oh, I minus thought you found it. No, minus 225. Now he's minus 220. So it's pretty fine. All right, so it hasn't. Okay, that's fine. It hasn't moved. I look at so many odds. Yeah, yeah, Angelo's wrong again. I misspoke on the uh, Whitaker uh, odds on quick picks. And people were like, It's like, dude, the amount of fights and stats and all that shit that I break down, I'm going to misspeak every now and then. But what I don't do 
is type thing wrongs for premium member. So premium members get all our bets and they're accurate and they're well, early. You know what's actually funny about that is that there is a typo in there and I, I mentioned it to you. If for premium members? Yeah, instead of MacDessie, you put MacKessy or something like that. Yeah. I did that. I did that post. You tech, I literally pride us on we put our bets up there for premium members the second they are placed. You texted me. I just placed these bets. I was at the doctor's office with my daughters because one has strep and then the older is like, my throat hurts. I was like, fuck. So I was at the doctor's office and you sent me that text. And I was like, I don't know how long it's going to be till I get home. And I literally saw like five new, I saw like five new premium members sign up as like I was pulling up to the doctor's office. And I was like, all these people are going to go to the betting page and not see these bets. So I was like, hold on girls. And I just typed it on my phone and updated it that way. So you want to be a premium Yo, Kim. member? Sorry. I see. I saw anytime I see a girl in the chat. Oh, I can't. Hey, <laughs> what's up, Kim? Anyway, premium member, we own picks.com. Click become a member. It's freaking $10 a month. You hit one of these bets. It could pay for literal years of membership. We own picks.com. Click become a member. Back to this $8,600 and 76. You spend in the 86. You're that confident? Uh, everyone liked the stream real quick. Pretty disrespectful. Only 41 likes. Don't like that. Um, What'd you say? Monkey Knife Fight? No, DraftKings, 8,600. Oh, yeah, I actually do. Eh, man, low volume. Jarno's tough. That's going to be a tough one. I, I Gomez could be a, a big or not type situation. He could score 70 in a win, or that dude could score 120 in a first-round knockout. So, I don't know. It's, I think yeah, it's that's, pretty good value, though. Don't you think? $8,600? I, I think Gomez is... I, I, I think he wins this fight. I don't know if I'm going to do it. I think he's kind of a low-volume guy, and if he waits to counter... Is it and true just that if you don't through. use it, you lose it? And uh, Monkey Knife Fight, 60 to 48. I'm not going to touch it. That's a real question. I, I really need to know. I, that's, a, that's a concern. <laughs> You're like, I am worried. That <laughs> I really, yeah, for real, though. For real, though. Um, I, uh, Kim, I'm not going to touch... I'm not going to touch the Monkey Knife Fight line because two UFC debuts, it's just, you know, you don't need to spend your money on every single one of these fights. Next up, at UFC Paris, we have Nazrat Hakparas taking on John McDessey. Nazrat Hakparas is 13-5 and five overall, 2-3 and three in his last five, dropping two decisions in a row. John McDessey is 18-7 and seven overall, 4-1 and one in his last five, coming off a split decision win over a year ago. Nazrat Hakparas is a very good striker who has found himself on a two-fight losing skid. The first loss in that skid was to Dan Hooker, where he just had no answer for the wrestling, and the second was to Bobby Green, where he had no answer for the volume. But if you ignore those two losses, you'll see that he's, he's his own high-volume striker. He lands more than five significant strikes per minute, and he's got 78% takedown defense. He can push the pace and find a rhythm. He's a very hard guy to beat with solid power, solid striking. John McDessey can also be a volume striker, and he's got some solid takedown defense as well. He's almost a mirror image of Nazrat statistically, but their striking styles are a bit different. John is more technical, and he relies on his pace. He likes to start exchanges with his hands and end them with low kicks. He is shorter and a compact guy, so his movement is everything. And if you can take out his legs, 
it can slow that movement down. And if he can take your legs away, then he can really dance around you and, and light you up and work in and out. On its surface, this matchup is essentially power versus technique, but Nazrat is more than just raw power. A lot of his power comes from well-timed counters and surprising speed. If Mcdessey was more active than one fight per year, he'd be a pretty live underdog here, but I think his age, his inactivity, it's going to be a, he's going to be a step behind the younger, faster, more powerful Hack Paras. So it's absolutely possible that Nazrat gasses and gives up around, but I think Nazrat's a solid play. I have him winning this fight. We've definitely seen more underdogs win these last few weeks than the last six months combined. But um, I think Nazrat gets it done, but MacDessie to win a decision isn't off the table. What do you think, Jakey Boy? Yeah, I think this is pretty much a... Um, I kind of wish that this wasn't on the main card because I think this is a, a boring boxing match. You know, maybe they get after it, but both these guys are kind of just kind of hide behind their guard and, and throw their shots. And, and Nazrat's one of these dudes that... Honestly, I don't think he's that good. Uh, he was kind of exposed, as somebody mentioned in the chat, against Bobby Green. And first of all, can we get a Bobby Green fight again? I, I cannot wait to watch that dude fight again. When I was watching tape and watching the Bobby Green Nazrat fight, that, that dude is so much fun. I, I fucking love Bobby King Green. That dude is awesome. But anyway, Nazrat's one of those dudes that's like, he fights like a power fighter. But he has no power. He just hides behind his guard. There's not a lot of head movement. He just has a nice high guard that he hides behind. And then he just throws these big shots that don't knock people out. I think he's got one knockout in nine UFC wins or something like that. He's not a big power puncher, but he acts like it when he punches. At least John McDessie kind of throws it a little bit more volume. It's kind of more in and out. His fight versus Bahama Mama was actually, a, he looked great. I mean, like, as you mentioned, he's not very active. He's an older fighter, but the way that he was able to get inside the strikes of Bahama Mama in that fight was actually very impressive because Bahama Mama in that fight, I think, was a big favorite, a big, long dude, a pretty good striker, and he was able to get in and hurt uh, Bahama Mama a few different times in that matchup and won the split decision because of, because of the power advantage. He might have been outstruck in that match. I, I don't know what the stats are. But I think the same thing is going to happen in this fight. I think it's going to be a boxing match, and the judges are going to see that McDessie is doing the more damage to Nazrat, where Nazrat's going to be a little bit more a step behind. And why it might be Nazrat pushing forward, because Nazrat will push forward. He'll keep that high guard, but a guy gets hit, and McDessie will hit him. He's going to start bleeding, and I think the judges will see. I think this is going to be a, a decision fight. And MacDesi's going to win a, a probably a split decision. I think I put a three and a half on MacDesi is what was what my bet was. I'm probably going to put a money line bet on MacDesi as well. These odds are getting a little bit wider. I, I, I guarantee MacDesi by the time the fight starts is over plus two hundred. I think it was a plus one seventy five at one point. Now it's like a plus one ninety five. I'll probably put a money line bet on him as well because when these are as you mentioned pretty pretty equal fighters. Um, I think MacDesi not doesn't have knockout power. I'm not saying he's going to knock him out, but in damage. I think he's got the power. Nazrat gets hit a lot, man. And, and MacDessie was able to slip a lot of those big, long shots from Bahama Mama. So uh, I'm going with the dog here, MacDessie. I think it's a boring fight. It's a decision fight, probably a split decision. But I think MacDessie does enough damage to uh, woo the judges. If MacDessie like wins, wooed, sorry. If MacDessie wins this fight, then then Hackpress is just an absolute busted prospect. Cut him. Let him figure it out and move on from there. Like the Dan Hooker loss, I totally get it. He was out grappled, and and who saw that coming, right? Dan Hooker never took anybody down. All of a sudden, he's he's just diving at hack press legs. Okay, fine. Bobby Green, honestly, a respectable loss as well. That dude has insane volume. Very yeah, good striker. And very you can't hit the guy. You can't yeah, fucking he, hit Bobby Green. <laughs> so you, yeah, that's a respectable loss. But if you're losing to a, a how old is he? 
37. 37-year-old striker who hasn't, you know, he fights once a year. A if, fresh 37. Know, on a good year. And he, didn't he just have wild knee surgery? Like, you're supposed to be, he's supposed to be this wild prospect. And if he's losing these fights, that's kind of a problem, right? So, I think he gets it done. Um, I think the power, volume, I think all of that, the activity. And honestly, two losses in a row, we'll find out what he's made of, right? He may be like, I'm, I'm definitely not losing this fight. So $8,700, I think he'll be worth it because, listen, McDessie's lost seven times before. And if you look at those losses, they're not all great. You know what I mean? Like, he's been around for a very long time. I mean, he's only he lost has, once in the last five years, and that was against you can't a go by years. Francisco Trinaldo. Yeah, you can't go by years because well, he's so can. inactive. He's so inactive. Um, but, you know, because I've been watching him for a while. Him and his brother started the Fear the Fighter clothing brand, and they were sponsoring fighters and not paying them. A whole thing many, many years ago, like 15 years ago. Anyway, Is that allegedly, or you want to call him out? No, that's 100% Google it. It's 100% fact. Um, and, and he was like, whoa, Google it's not it. my company. It's, it's the, not my it's company. It's worth a Google. You can Google it. It's worth a Google. If anybody knows that movie, I'll be very surprised. Oh, okay. Um, you know, pugs were bred with short snouts cause, so they could hunt okay. down and take well, down lions. You was, can Google now it. I know it's it worth is. a Google. That's a, the what best scene in that movie is when they're sitting around the table and the kids are just confessing all the disgusting, <laughs> shit, the disgusting shit they've done. Um, anyway, it's the campaign. And yeah. speaking of campaigns, we're running one now where if you wow. sign up to become a premium member... $10 a month. Fun. I like that one. That was a good one. <laughs> if you sign up to become a premium member, which is only $10 a month, we'll give you all of our picks, all of our bets the very second we place them, a DraftKings optimizer, all of that for $10. We don't add, we're not increasing the price, even though we've added a DraftKings optimizer, which costs us thousands of dollars. It's only going to cost you $10 a month. Incredible value. Weonpicks.com. Click become a member. Nazareth Hack Press, $8,700. You are not on that side. Do you like $7,500 on John McDessie? No. Because it's just jab, jab, jab. Jab, jab, jab. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a boring fight. It's, it, I, this is going to come down to the judges. So I, I don't trust the judges. Nobody should trust the judges. Got it. Um, but you do think it's going to be a lot of striking, 88, 86. You think it's a more and more situation? Did you freeze? Oh. <laughs> sorry. I had Because that was, a, that was a really out. good, that, that was a very good fake freeze. A very good uh, fake freeze. Oh, shit. All right, anyway, yeah, probably more. I don't fucking okay. know. Jesus. You know what? Fuck off. We want it's only 930. Slash, holy shit. We want picks.com slash MKF. They will instantly match your deposit up to 100 smackaroos. I don't know why anyone subscribed to us. What a joke of a show this Become is. Become a premium member. We <laughs> want, next up, at UFC Paris, we've got Alessio DiCirico taking on Roman Kapilov in the feature fight slot. Alessio DiCirico's 13-6 overall, 1-4 in his last five, coming off the first knockout loss of his career a year ago. Roman Kapilov, 8-2 overall, 3-2 in his last five, and he's looking for his first UFC win. Alessio DiCirico is a solid kickboxer with really nice high kicks and versatility. He's got good forward pressure and a versatile striking style that helps keep his opponents guessing. He doesn't go to it often, but he does have wrestling in his back pocket. He has 11 takedowns 
in 10 UFC fights, and two of those were against Kevin Holland, and four of them against Julian Marquez. Roman Kapilov is also a pretty good kickboxer who has had success in the actual kickboxing world as a professional kickboxer. He's a low output guy who picks his shots and he tends to throw one strike at a time until he settles in and then he weaves together really nice combinations. In both of his UFC losses, he was taken down with no answer on the ground and could not work his way back up. Roman striking is legit good but he, and he has very real power. And on paper, this is essentially a pick'em. Depending on the book, you could literally get pick'em odds. But this is essentially a pick'em fight, and it hasn't moved much. And I pretty much agree with that. Both men are solid strikers with power, but low output. Roman is the more technical striker from a pure kickboxing perspective, but I think Alessio is the better MMA fighter. He has wrestling as a backup plan, and he has far more experience. Roman has yet to find a win in the UFC, and if you dig into his regional fights, you'll see that his record's a bit hollow. So I think Alessio finds his fifth UFC win, and it's probably going to be a decision. So I like Alessio DiCirico in this matchup. What do you think? I actually, yeah, I actually think there's going to be a finish in this fight. And and unfortunately for DiCirico, uh, is that spelled right? Is it DiCirico? DiCirico. I don't know why I said DiCirico. Yeah, DiCirico. Thank you. Hello. Alessio. <laughs> Unfortunately for Alessio, I think he's probably going to get knocked out because that, that that knockout of his last fight, was a, I mean, that was a, that was a bad one. And, and Kabulov, you watch him versus Duryev, that dude is a t- as tough as they come. He was getting the absolute shit beat out of him. I mean, the absolute shit beat out of him by Duryev and was just kept pressing forward. I think he almost, if he, I think he actually hurt Duryev in like the last 30 seconds of that fight. If he realized it, I think he could end up winning that fight. He showed incredible toughness, was able to hurt Duryev. It was like a little short, like little shot. And I don't think anyone realized how hurt that Duryev was. I think he ended up on top um, and couldn't quite get the finish because he was absolutely tired of shit. But listen, the, Alessio, I almost tried to do it again, but I'm just going to stick with Alessio. Alessio is probably the better striker in this matchup, and I alluded to it, and I talked about it in the Buckley fight. Watch the Buckley. If you think that Buckley fight, if you think Buckley is a good underdog, watch his fight versus Alessio, because Alessio and his step-off counters are so clean, and if Buckley throws those big shots, those could be there. So the same thing could happen to Kopilov in this fight. If he comes in a little bit too aggressive, those counters could be there for Alessio, but... As you mentioned, Kapilov is a little bit more reserved than Buckley was in that fight. And Alessio, if he's moving forward, I think he's able to be, you know, I think he's going to get knocked out again, honestly. Uh, this comes down to it's a pick em fight for a reason. It should be fun to watch. I got to go with the chin of Kapilov. He showed how tough he was. Alessio coming off that bad knockout, that bad knockout. You know, that's pretty much how simple it is. But these guys, it's a pretty even fight for a reason. So I'll, I'll start yeah. with the chin of Kapilov. It's a, it's a tricky card because of all of these factors. We've mentioned UFC debuts, late replacements, a combination of the two, fast turnarounds, and in this case, coming, you just sometimes you just don't know what a fighter's going to look like after a bad knockout. You just don't. We've seen plenty of guys get a bad knockout and then come back look totally fine, and others just, that's the beginning of the end. Gerald Mearshart, he bounced back from a couple of bad knockouts better than I've ever seen anybody bounce back from a couple of bad knockouts. So we don't know what a Dietrich is going to look like there, but I got to go with the better overall MMA fighter in an MMA fight. DraftKings, I do think it's a pick your side because I think whoever wins is going to have a ton of success and look good doing it and score pretty well. So I think you pick your side in DraftKings is essentially even money. Same with the betting odds. The Monkey Knife Fight strike line 50 to 58. Um, I think this fight goes a little bit. You think it's shorter. So I, I personally like the more and more with Monkey Knife Fight. What do you think? 
I think less, it's, less. it could still be no. Nah, I think it could still be a more and more in a kickboxing match, and then somebody finds a, a knockout second or third round type situation. I did place. I think I did place the when I placed it. I think it was the under two and a half. I'm trying to check real quick, but maybe it was a, no. It, was a, it does not go distance, and they moved a little bit. I got a plus one twenty. I think it's plus fifteen one fifteen now. So oh look at that. Oh, and if you nope, are a premium member, sorry. Oh, look at that. Move the other way. Went the other way. So never Fuck. mind with the premium member plug. That's not that's not fitting right there. Terrible time to plug premium membership. I'm um, fucking embarrassed, Angela. I'll be. I'm fucking embarrassed. I I'm not happy about it. I'm not gonna lie. Um. Anyway, uh, we want picks.com/slash/mkf if you like this monkey knife fight strike line. If you sign up and make a deposit, they will instantly match that deposit. And if you want fifty dollars for free, five zero for free, go to wewantpicks.com/slash/bets. Sign up with any one of our betting partners. Make a deposit. I'll send you 50 bucks as a thank you. Next up at UFC Paris, we have the co-main event of the evening. We have Robert Whitaker taking on Marvin Vittori, two Italians on this card. Wow. How amazing is that? Robert Whitaker, 23 and 6 oh, overall. Oh, his name kind of sounds like your name. 23 and 6 overall, 3 and 2 in his last five, coming off a very close decision loss to Izzy just five months ago. Marvin Vittori is 18-4 and four overall. 4-1 four and one in his last five. Coming off the very fun win over Paolo Costa. And Robert Whitaker, listen, at this point, we should all know who he is. But he's a very diverse striker. He's got really good volume. He's incredibly active in those fights. And he's constantly mixing up his striking and movement patterns. He'll lay out really heavy leg kicks and then immediately come charging forward and chase that head. His only losses since 2014 are to Izzy, and the rematch was incredibly close. A lot of people think he won that fight. After the first loss to Izzy, Whitaker took a year off, and when he came back, he looked like a completely different fighter. He, he, I said he dismantled Darren Till, and some butthurt dork was like, that fight was close. Shut up. He smoked Darren Till, Jared Cannonier, and Kelvin Gastelum. And what is interesting about those fights is Robert was able to keep his aggressive striking, but he was also more controlled and worked in more takedowns. And the stat that I love here is in his first 14 UFC fights, he had four takedowns in 14 fights. In his last four fights, he's had 10 takedowns. So he has really added, exactly, he's really added takedowns to his MMA game. Marvin Vittori is a brick-headed grappler who has become a striker as of late. He's got a good set of diverse takedowns from body locks to nice hit-and-run doubles. His striking continues to improve, and he's gotten very comfortable on his feet. And that's obviously a good thing, but it could also be a problem because he could have some false confidence thinking that he can stand and strike with the best in the division when he shouldn't be. He should be grappling. He did outstrike Paulo Costa 214 to 172, and he only attempted one single takedown. But Whitaker is not Costa, and Marvin will need to grapple here, which is easier said than done. Matching up against Whitaker's 83% takedown defense is Marvin's less than 50% accuracy. He averages over two takedowns per fight, but he has struggled in the past with keeping people there. The only person to ever take down Robert Whitaker more than once was Yoel Romero, and he lost those fights meaning Yoel lost those fights. Whitaker's honestly an easy pick for me. I think he's going to be faster, the far cleaner striker. I think he has, he definitely has five-round cardio. He's only going to need three rounds of it, 
And Vittori is almost impossible to put down with strikes. Like his head is literally built out of cement at this point. But I don't see Whitaker having any issue whatsoever just touching his face and moving, touching his face and moving, cruising to a decision win. So if Marvin can get his wrestling going, he might have some success. I just don't see that happening. Whitaker's the pick. I have a money line bet on him at minus 235. It's flexed up to 245, so I was a little bit ahead of the movement. I, I'm surprised it hasn't moved more, frankly. I'm surprised he's not a minus well, 350 favorite. But Sorry, it's minus 210 now. It's, it's yo-yoing, and, and different books obviously have different odds, Jacob. They're not all exactly the same. Why don't you give us your breakdown and shut the hell up? Uh, I want to know what your time. mom's going to say about you picking against the home country. She's not even going to say it in English, so who gives a shit, right? Can you can you can you do an impression? Or no? <laughs> I'm not gonna do an impression. Of my <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, my I am a hundred percent, two hundred percent super biased in this breakdown. But Angelo absolutely fucking nailed it. Bobby Knuckles is, and this is I don't think this is a, an exaggeration at all. He is the absolutely the most complete fighter in this division. From t- as far as striking, wrestling, he is the most complete fighter in this division. He absolutely won that fight against Izzy in that last matchup, and he is going to win the title yet again. If he fights Alex Pajeda, which I think Alex Pajeda is going actually I think Izzy probably going to dance around and win a boring decision, but if Alex Pajeda wins the title, Robert Whitaker is going to run through Alex Pajeda. I mean, he is just going to absolutely take him down and dominate Alex Pajeda and become the champ again. I absolutely love Bobby Knuckles, and I actually absolutely can't stand Marvin Vittori for whatever reason. He's just he's one of those hot-headed Italians. I deal with one every single day. They drive me insane. Um, and and what, Robert Whitaker, I, I keep saying it, but he's, he's, he's better everywhere. He's better everywhere. The only path to victory for Marvin Vittori is, as people mentioned in the chat, just kind of hold him against the fence. But he's not going to be able to just hold Robert Whitaker, Bobby Knuckles like against the fence like he was or tried to do versus other people. Tried to do it against Izzy as well. But uh, I don't think he's going to be able to out-wrestle him. He's definitely not going to be able to strike him. Maybe, you know, there's always, you know, these are big dudes throwing, throwing big fists. There's always that chance where he finds that knockout. You know, we've seen Robert get clipped before by Izzy or whatever. But that was just a weird shot, a weird situation. Um... Bobby is the better fighter. I mean, Bobby is the better fighter. I'm going all in on Bobby. If I lose it all on Bobby, that's fine. If I'm supporting my dude, I'll go out on my shield like that. I put... You pick and fights like a nerd. I will go out on my shield. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I like my <laughs> fighters. When I like my fighters, I'll put it on. I, I, I doubled up the money oh, line geez. for units. Check out premium if you want to know how much I actually put on Bobby. But uh, we're going to be hurting a little bit. If he loses, but there's no way he loses. I don't see him losing. A lot of people are loving Vittori. Loving Vittori. And I also think, you know, what's happened over the last few weeks is some big time. This is is one of those picks. Swivy is all over Vittori. Some big time underdogs have got it done the last few weeks. And even some random underdogs on undercards. So now the general public has gotten very comfortable just grabbing underdogs. Yeah, those. Yeah, but, and I, I meant to mention this before. The last two cards were so weird because first we had San Diego, humid, hot and humid as hell arena, which affected, I think, a lot of the favorites. So a lot of underdogs had a better chance than they would have because people were exhausted. And then we had the high altitude, which fucked everyone up. And anytime there's a weird situation, that even that levels the playing field. Whenever, when people are tired and both people are tired, now nobody has an advantage anywhere. So... There was a lot of underdogs that won. If you if you want to chase them, 
fine, but I think those last two cards were, were weird for a, a, a reason. Yeah, and, and everybody's forgetting that just like two months ago, I don't even know if it was that long ago, there was like six cards in a row where like one underdog won. And everybody's yeah, I forgetting. To know, I went 11-0 to on a card because I think there literally was one underdog that won, and it was my yeah. lock of the week, I think. Yeah. So everybody, everybody's forgetting you know, the, the favorites and how well they did for a while there. And, and, and underdogs have been doing really well lately. And people are getting very comfortable just, oh, this underdog, that underdog. Because the, the amount of, of stuff I'm seeing on Marvin Vittori is very surprising to me because it's like, how do you think Marvin wins? You think he's the better striker? No. Exactly. He's that, not that good of a the, grappler. Like, that's he the is perfect a, question. Yeah. <laughs> he's how a, does he he's, win? I don't know how he wins. He's a grappler, and he's got his takedown accuracy is not good. And Robert Whitaker has phenomenal takedown defense. And I mentioned Yoel Romero, when he was still actually wrestling in fights, is the only person that ever took him down more than once. So I just don't he's see a, how Marvin Vittori is. He's a silver medalist Olympic wrestler. Yeah. So and a I lot just, of people I, said that he should have been a gold medalist, and he did some he shady it. stuff. And yeah, He talks about it. Allegedly. It's like a... I think well, he's, I don't know. If you want to trash uh, Yoel, that's on you. Yoel, hey. <laughs> That's not me. Saying anyway, this. we both that. like Whitaker here. We're both very confident. I'm, I'm sticking with that money line bet. I appreciate that. You know, what, what I want to see is the odds skyrocket. So I know I'm a genius, right? Like, oh, I got him at minus 235 and now he's minus 900. Obviously, I want that, especially when I'm plugging premium membership. The reality is I'm very happy with this bet and I think he's worth minus 300. After that, I get a little cheap, but I, I just, we're both very confident in him. $8,800, I think he's worth that as well. Uh, I think there's takedowns, control time. I think there's all of the things. What? I don't know if I love the 8,800. I think he wins, but I think you can't finish Vittori. You can't yeah, finish Vittori, but I still think he scores really well. Um, 92 to 80, I, I hate that strike line. I hate it. I know Vittori was high volume in his last fight, but he's not traditionally a high volume striker. He just decided to do that with Paulo Costa for some reason, and maybe it was the black belt that had him worried. I'm not sure. What do you think of the monkey knife fight strike line? I think it's probably a little, uh, less, less. I, I think it's a decision, but I think this is a, a boring Robert, you know, maybe mixing a takedown a, a round, but other than that, just kind of doing his dancing, throwing those, those one-two with the head kick and then dancing back around. So I think yeah. it's a less, less. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I, I think less, less is probably the play in Monkey Knife Fight. And I think some of those, I, I think some of those strike lines are including the fact that these have all been like five-round fights for the most part. What the hell is that? What are you doing? Uh, I'm raising my hand. Remember in school, your arm would get tired. <sighs> okay. uh, yeah, Cornholio mentioned this, and I want to mention as well. Uh, Robert Whitaker in his interviews was talking about, yeah, maybe I'll move up to 205, this and that. I don't worry about that with a guy like Robert Whitaker. Robert Whitaker is just one of those guys that he's just a super normal, casual dude. And he'll just say stuff. I mean, he literally just like, yeah, of course I've thought about, you know, whatever, because it's a, a tough weight cut. Maybe I can do this, whatever. I don't think he's thinking like, I don't think I can compete at 185. I need to switch. I think people ask him a question. He was like, yeah, you know, I've thought about it before. He's just a super honest, normal, down-to-earth dude. So when it comes to stuff like that, I don't think it, it it's something to worry about. Because when he was having mental issues, he stepped away from the sport. I mean, he's one of those guys. He's not going to fight. He, he said, "I need to, I need to step away." He refreshed himself, and now he's better than ever, man. I, I love Bobby Knuckles. Yeah, the, the, well, and I, I mentioned those takedown stats. Though. He literally transformed, not transformed, but he added things to his game in that time. Away. So anyway, we're both on Whitaker. Become a premium member. A, do it if you just want to support the channel. It's freaking ten dollars. And B, we are literally building the greatest value in the history 
of MMA. And that's not even, that's not a sales pitch. That's not some bullshit statement. We went out, we had hundreds, hundreds, plural, of premium members at $10 a month when we were just doing picks and bets early. And me and Josh, who does the website and stuff, we're like, how do we make this a better? We need to add more. We need to make this better. We need to make this the best value. We went out. He put up a poll. You guys want an optimizer? We went out, got an optimizer. It cost thousands of dollars. We got an optimizer. We put that there as well. And this is 100% genuine. This will be the best $10 product in that, the history of sports betting. And that's and not, not us saying that's, 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 that's premium members telling us this is incredible value. It's not just us saying it. It's members coming to us yeah. and saying, like, yeah, this is unreal value. Yeah. I mean, obviously I'm in sales pitch mode right now, but it's, it's all genuine. And we have polls up there. If you're a premium member, uh, we have polls vote on what you want next and we will add it. And I'm not touching that $10. I mentioned it quick because I'm going the Costco model. I would rather have 10,000 premium members at $10 than 5,000 of them at a hundred bucks. Not doing it. $10 do a month. Let me see that math real quick. We, now the math is wrong. I'm losing money this way, but we want picks.com. No, Click become a member. 10,000. Oh, for your cut. Times just making 10. sure you're not getting squeezed out. $100,000 a month. I have, I have. Yeah, we actual, need, I would love for, I would love 10,000 <laughs> members. If 10,000 of you right now sign up, become a premium member. Let's do this, baby. I have the, uh, I have the actual books that I use for the accountant. And then I have the books that I show you for your cut. Uh, rough mouth, Jake. Ooh. Anyway. Next yeah, we, up. We, we, we want picks hasn't made money in, in a year. It's crazy. One of us hasn't. Next up at UFC Paris, we've got, and I don't even intend on saying UFC Paris. I said it the first time, and now I can't say Paris. It just sounds weird to me. Anyway. Have you ever done the up, Eiffel Tower? <laughs> next up, at, did we, <laughs> we talked about all of these things a few podcasts ago. We've got really? Cyril Gan taking on Ty Tuivasa. Oh, yeah, Cyril Gan, 10-1 overall, 4-1 in his last five, coming off the title loss to Francis Ngannou. Tai Tuivasa is 15-3. and three. What are you doing? Huh? Isn't that the Eiffel Tower? You were Eiffel Towering your keyboard? Tai Tuivasa is 15-3 and three overall. 5-0 and oh in his last five, riding a five-fight knockout streak. Cyril Gan is a technical striker who has high volume and a well-rounded arsenal. He will kick, he will grapple, and he will play the best in-and-out game in heavyweight history. His striking differential is a very impressive 5-2, to two, which means he is hitting his opponents almost five times for every two that land on him. And that just speaks to how incredible his footwork and his movement really is. He uses that footwork to set up takedowns. He took down Dante Mays three times, Rosenstruck twice, and Ngannou once in that fight. And the Ngannou fight was interesting because Cyril landed more total strikes. And he had the success on his feet, but he just had no answer for the wrestling. And he struggled to get up when he was taken down. But you could argue that he was the better striker in that fight. Tai Tuivasa is a heavy-handed striker who has solid volume and mixes and kicks really well. He's always been fast and powerful for his size, but he seems to be much sharper and much more composed recently. Tuivasa has fantastic leg kicks, a piercing jab, and a big overhand. His takedown defense is just okay at 50%, and he has zero offensive takedowns in the UFC. And you could argue that Tuivasa's biggest asset is his chin, because he's got, like Marvin Vittori, that cement head that he's an impossible guy to put out. But we have seen some cracks recently, both Greg Hardy and Derek Lewis 
cracked Tuivasa, and Tuivasa wore them. It, it wasn't nothing. He wore them to the point where it was like, ooh, uh. And then obviously he ended up getting the win, but there's some cracks going on there. Roll your eyes all you want. We don't need to overcomplicate this. Tuivasa is going to be live for a one-punch knockout, and anybody picking Tuivasa to win, that's what they think, right? Oh, he's going to land that big punch. In all likelihood, Gan's just not going to be there to hit. He's going to be dancing around, in and out, showcasing that footwork, have Tuivasa swinging at air. I also expect Gan to work in takedowns the same way he did against other power strikers that he's fought in the past. This is a technical one-sided clinic. Obviously, one strike can change everything. We saw that at UFC 278, but Gan's an easy pick for me. Uh, I got him. I didn't do money line, but I, I definitely worked a parlay. When I got him at minus 450 or something like that, he's already ballooned up to minus 600. I think he's going to balloon all the way up to minus 800. Tuivasa is going to be live for a one-punch knockout, but there's not a single person on this planet that's going to convince me Tuivasa is going to win the exchanges and just be the better overall fighter the whole time. Not going to happen. Go ahead. Thank you. Um, yeah, Gan is Gan is the pick, right? If you're if you're a normal, you know, level-headed person, you, you see these two, the level competition, <laughs> the level at which these guys fight, and the technical abilities of Gan. Gan is obviously the pick in this fight. He should win this fight. It's probably going to be boring. He's probably going to be taking them down, doing the doing the dance and stuff. But he's probably going to win a boring fight. I, I don't. This whole thing that Gan's going to finish Taito Ivasa is a little bit weird to me. I think it's boring. Um, I think the he biggest thing with TK, like a TKO on top. Same don't way ever did. fucking interrupt me again. <laughs> um, I will kick you off this show just to prove a point. Uh, I fucking dare you. I honestly dare you. <laughs> um, the biggest part about this fight, I think, that people aren't taking into consideration is the fact that Gan is fighting in Paris in front of his home crowd. And this might put the pressure on him to put on a show. You don't know how people really react in those type of situations. Main event, big fight. He's back in title contention if he wins. A lot of people, he's a huge favorite. If he starts chasing finishes in this fight, let's say he comes out and thinks, okay, let me try and put this guy away to put on a show. And he starts getting in those firefights with Ty. That is not where he wants to be. Because as you mentioned, Ty is one of those dudes that even when he's hurt, he bites down and he just fucking throws back and he doesn't care. And if he hits a shot, you're probably going to go down. And if you watch Gon when he fights, when people start blitzing him a little bit and start getting in his face and touch him a little bit, he's one of those dudes that, he, I don't want to say he cowers, but he covers up, he circles out, he runs away. He does not like to get in those fights. I'm not saying he's not a tough dude. He's a big dude, but he's not somebody that just stays in those fire fights. So he's not used to being in those fights and hitting and, and getting hit by those shots that are, that are being coming from Ty if he gets in those fire fights. So my big thing in this fight is you should pick Gon. Everyone should pick Gon. He's the better fighter. He's got more ways to win. But if the pressure starts getting to Gon of fighting in front of his home fans, and he tries to get in a finish. And let's say he does touch up Ty. He gets him hurt a little bit. And all of a sudden, he's in that same situation that Greg Hardy was in. That Derek Lewis was in. Dude, this dude, Ty's going to knock this dude the fuck out. This dude, Ty, is going to knock this dude the fuck out. And I think that's exactly what happens. I think God is playing that game. In and now, he's looking good. But then he thinks he has Ty hurt. And then that big right hand comes. I have to go with my dude, Bam Bam. I, there's no way in the world 
I was going to pick against Bam Bam. Don't listen to me. Don't pick Bam Bam, but I did put it inside the distance decisional bet on Bam Bam 100%. I'm not going to play money line. I'm not stupid, but inside the distance, <laughs> inside the distance decisional, uh, decisional action, I got to go Bam Bam. Bam Bam is my pick, man. It's not a smart decision. I think he finds it. I think he finds it. <laughs> I just appreciate the transparency and not typical Jacob. Like, oh, with 100%, you pronounce every T. Certain T. Like an idiot. Certain T. Well, every we might have that. Uh, well, it could be Say Wednesday. Turtle. We might. <laughs> turtle. Turtle. We, anyway. Uh, tune in Wednesday for my Lock of the Week video because there's a few underdogs I've picked. And this one, we're going for nine in a row. And this one could be big. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Anyway, uh, I, listen, I, I, I actually don't disagree with what you've said. And we'll find out. Nobody's really just tried to light up Cyril Gant. Nobody has headhunted him. They're trying to pick their shots, and you can't pick your shots against him because he's just impossible to touch. Now, somebody in the comment that's saying, I'm getting Derek Lewis vibes, that's a possibility. I think Cyril Gant, you're going to wait. I think Cyril Gant is composed enough that it's not an issue, but... Remember Derek Lewis in Houston? Just couldn't handle the Houston pressure. Just couldn't handle it. That's possible. But Cyril Gaon has fought in France before, just before the UFC. What? Well, I, I think that people don't give... When you talk about Derek Lewis, Derek Lewis is literally a, a one-trick pony, right? He's just a big yeah. shot waiting. I don't think people give Tai Tuivasa enough credit as far as being a an intelligent fighter. He will also throw some like kicks, which could, throw down, could slow oh, down the movement I, of Gaon. When I said Derek Lewis vibes, I meant... Cyril Gaon freezing up. No, no, up I wouldn't Paris talk about like that. Ter- no, oh, I wouldn't okay. say. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say. I, I just went. I just when I was raising my hand. This is what I just wanted to talk about. Was that Taito Ivasa is a much more. I don't want to say well-rounded fighter because he's not. He's not like with the wrestling and the grappling, but he's a much more intelligent fighter than people give him credit for. Derek Lewis literally, and I'm not saying Derek Lewis is an intelligent fighter, but he literally is just waiting, 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 and just boom. Where Taito Ivasa will mix in some different strikes, some clinch work as well. You saw that in his last fight, so um, he's a little bit more well-rounded than than Derek Lewis, and he he, he has a little bit more of a don't give a fuck attitude as well. Yeah, he's perfectly fine getting hit where it's clear Derek Lewis is not. Anyway, right. Um, yeah, listen, it, this, is a, this is a solid fight night main event. The co-main event is an awesome co-main. That co-main event could be the co-main of a pay-per-view. That's a very good co-main event. So I think, the there, I think is, there's some good, the really, I think this card is filled with some, not a lot of names, as you mentioned, a lot of short notice. But I think there's some really good matchups on this card, especially because a lot of times the short notice fights, those fighters come in and they're pretty aggressive. It'll be that, that crowd should be wild, I hope. I, those French people, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, Yeah, we'll find we'll out. We don't happens. know, right? We haven't seen it. So right. it'll be interesting. There's a lot of weird circumstances on this card. Short notice, UFC debuts, quick turnaround, all sorts of things. First fight in Paris. Lots of stuff going on. DraftKings, 9,500 to 6,700. You know, uh, I don't. I, I have to look to see how Cyril Gaon scored in those five-round decision wins that he's had, right? How he scored against Volkov and stuff. If he's scoring over 100, well over 100, then he's probably worth it because there's very few people in this card that I'm like, boom, this dude's definitely going to win. Cyril's one of them. Yeah, and if he, if he uses his wrestling, I mean, that could add up very, yes. very quickly and, too. So I, I, I'm picking Ty. I'm not playing Ty's, even at $6,700. I'm not doing that. Yeah. Well, and I honestly think Sirogan can get the finish, but it's not on his feet. I think he can get a takedown and just elbow, 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 dump. Like, because Ty doesn't do much off his back. So I, I think he can absolutely get a finish just literally elbowing on top. So I'll probably have Cyril in my DraftKings lineup. Monkey Knife Fight, strike line 79 to 41. It's a tricky line, man. 
it's a tricky, but I think it's a more and more because I think Ty can get to 41 because he does do the little leg kicks. Tons of little leg kicks. He could pump a jab out there. If there is wrestling, all the little pot shots against the cage, like, ooh, tap, 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 please don't take me down, that all counts. If he's so able I, to if he's able to pressure Gon against the cage at all, that's that's a that's a big win for, for Tai Tuivasa. And as you mentioned, those those will add up quickly. Yeah, so I think it's more and more with monkey knife fight. So guys, we own picks.com slash MKF. They will instantly match your deposit up to hundred dollars. So give them fifty, they'll give you fifty, give them a hundred, they'll give you hundred. Take the free money, play some of these strike lines, and if you win, you can triple your money and it was there. So who gives a shit if you lose? Doesn't matter. You're not out any money. Become a premium member. All of our bets, all of our picks, all of our fantasy plays early. I already have my prize picks plays up there. Prize picks lines move with the money, just like betting odds. There's a couple takedown lines that I like, a couple fantasy points that I like. Check that out at weonpicks.com. Click become a member. Anybody here who does DraftKings and you're even semi-serious about it, we have a DraftKings lineup optimizer. It literally will build lineups for you, anywhere from one to 150. It will build lineups for you, and it's all included at $10 a month. We on picks.com. And, and, and Junior Ranks, my dude Junior Ranks just said he's going to become a premium member tonight. Love to see it. GG's in the chat for Junior Ranks. We appreciate it. My man, send it over. I get the alerts on my phone when we get new ones. It's been lighting up all day. Today was a good day for us. Like so. the stream before you go, guys. Like the stream before you go. Lock of the week video tomorrow. Announce lock of the week going for nine in a row. We appreciate everyone that joins us in these streams 100%. All we really, I know we ask for a lot of stuff, but really the, the, the best thing you can do is just like the stream if you don't want to do free. anything else. But Cost we appreciate all you guys in here. Yep. Thank you all very much. And uh, we'll see you later this week for the rest of our content.